This week we're talking about the Street Fighter. Oh, with Christopher Lambert. No, no, that's Mortal Kombat. Oh, you mean with Joe Taslim? No, that's the other Mortal Kombat. Just, just play the theme song. I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of one thousand testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? Let's rock indeed. Welcome to <laughs> 1000 Wives of Weird, a podcast about weird movies. I'm Billy Martell, and with me as always is... Brad Hefner. And today, we're continuing No Not That One Month, our first theme month in the month of March, talking about a great, great, fantastic movie, The Street Fighter, already a slightly different title than the movie that yeah. you would think. We're not talking about Street Fighter. Uh, with with Christopher Lambert, or that was Mortal with, Kombat, <laughs> yeah, or with um, uh, now I can't think Raul of Julia. Sing, Raul Julia. <laughs> now instead, we are talking about uh, the the Street Fighter uh, that came out in 1974, starring Sony Chiba, or I believe Sonichi Chiba, Shinichi Chiba, Sonichi Chiba, as he's known in uh, his home country. He was renamed Sony Chiba without his consultation in America, apparently. Yeah. But, I. I think that happened a lot. Oh, I'm sure it did. But uh, we're going to talk about this fantastic uh, martial arts movie. Basic plot, without getting into any spoilers, is that Surugi is this absolute crazy person. Yes, he's cold as ice, he's hard as stone, and he's tough as nails. He's worse than most villains by his own own admission. He is worse than most villains that you will meet. But... In this instance, his interests align with the forces of good, and he is going to clean house on some evildoers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's basically, yeah. There's not much story. No, there's not. It's <laughs> it's a pretty action heavy movie. Pure exploitation, pure grindhouse. Absolutely. We discussed this very briefly in another in the episode, 2021 recap. In the 2021 recap, because we watched this. In 2021, and we're just blown away by it. Uh, what the the its weird accolades are, admittedly slight. I think mostly what it's here for is the fact that it's very hard to find anybody talking about this movie anymore. Yeah, in some circles, this is obviously huge. And, yeah, and the people who follow cult movies, underground uh, exploitation, grindhouse movies. Yeah, but it's a cult movie. But like most of the time, when you Google search the Street Fighter, you're going to find way more about what's the new release date on the next Street Fighter game that you're ever going to find about this movie, despite the fact that it does have some very serious accolades in terms of inspiring not only the Street Fighter games, but also the Mortal Kombat games. We were joking about it, but it does have those accolades there. And also, this was the first film to get, in the U.S., an X rating for violence. Mm -hmm. So, I'd say that's that's a... Contender for weird, interesting. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I would. I would historic, say historic, so. if nothing else. I would absolutely agree with that. So yeah, uh, we always recommend that people go into a movie as blind as possible, just so you can get the full experience of watching it. This movie, in particular, is an action movie. So there is only so much that we can do when it comes to describing the violence on screen. Yes, this is a movie that, again, since it's not hyper weird or even that weird. Mm-hmm. There's not much that's going to be able to be spoiled, and even the most interesting and crazy things about this movie, you really have to just see. 
Yeah, yeah, for real. Regardless, we are going to get into spoilers in a second, but before we do, as always, we're going to give our recommendations. Brad, would you recommend The Street Fighter? Oh, absolutely. I was the mm-hmm. one who brought this movie to you. Mm-hmm. I uh, I watched it. I loved it so much. I was like, Billy needs to fucking see this. <laughs> uh, as happens with a lot of action movies, one of the best action movies I've ever seen. I completely agree. Sonny Chiba is amazing in oh like God. every sense of the word. Like, great physical performer. Great just use of, uh, I don't even know how to explain, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he has such amazing charisma, even mm-hmm. while playing this horrible fucking character. <laughs> it's just, he's, anytime he's on screen, it's like, he owns it. Yeah. He owns whatever DVDs are sitting to the side of your <laughs> TV. He's now the best part of those movies, too. Um so yeah, absolutely. If you're a fan of martial arts action movies, the violence is pretty heavy. Good, yeah. There's some dark shit in there. Again, originally rated X in the States yeah. for violence. And they had even cut out some of the worst bits. Yes. But Billy, would you recommend? 110%. Holy shit. Like, you talk about... we've Brad and I have watched some really great action movies. We've seen the the Lone Wolf and Cub movies, mm-hmm. two of which are now some of our favorite action movies. Absolutely. We just rewatched The Raid not too long ago, which mm-hmm. is fucking incredible. We love the John Wick movies. So, it's no small thing when we tell you this is one of the greatest action movies we've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, there are there are things in this movie I have never seen in anything else, no. and I'm not even talking about the gore, although the gore is choice. I just I I love this movie to absolute pieces. If you don't mind having some uh, some pretty again some pretty choice gore, some pretty uh, vile brutal stuff. And you're also someone who can handle the fact that you're literally going to be watching a movie where the main character is one of the worst people in the world. Yeah. Now, yeah. the movie doesn't shy away from that. It's not like a movie where presenting you with this horrible person and telling you, oh no, they're your hero. Like some Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sly Stallone movies from the 80s where they just have these horrible main characters and they're like, no, no, you like them because this yeah. is Reagan's America. No, this character is meant to be hated and yet still you're still going to like him because Sonny Chiba is one of the most charming men in the universe. Yes. And another thing that needs to be heralded with action movies, a lot of the ones that you just mentioned, John Wick, The Raid, they're yeah. modern. They have... Yes. The further back you go, the generally the less impressive compared to modern movies action is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Predator's a fun movie, but yeah. I wouldn't say that there's anything in there that's better than... I don't know. Well, it's not a martial arts movie. It's not a martial the, arts movie, the, the but action, l- let's... In the 80s, there was more of an idea of, like, just just shooting a gun for a long period of time was considered exciting enough. Gotcha. You watch, uh, like, one of the most famous uh, or infamous action movies from the 80s, Commando, is just Arnold Schwarzenegger running around barely moving with a big machine gun on his arm, and that... For some people, and for me, when I first watched it, was enough. But, like, when it comes to martial arts movies, and especially, like, hand-to-hand combat, especially in the States, uh, movies have come a long way. Absolutely. They have. Yeah. And a lot of it is because of American filmmakers growing up watching foreign action movies like this. This movie was apparently a big influence on Quentin Tarantino, for example. Yes, it's one of his favorites. Uh Yeah. My first exposure to this film was in the movie True Romance, which yes. Tarantino wrote. Yes. 
they go to see this movie in the theater. Mm -hmm. So I was like, and because when I saw it, I was a huge Quentin Tarantino fan, even though Mm -hmm. I didn't love true romance. Sure. I was like, that always stuck with me because I was like, well, he's the king. I need to see what the king likes. Right, right, Everything the king likes is better than what the king makes. (laughs) (laughs) Funny that. We absolutely recommend it. Uh, You should should click off of this right now and go watch it. Unfortunately, this this movie is a little... You're going to want to buy a Blu-ray for it. Yeah, you're gonna. Shout Factory released a fantastic Blu-ray copy of it that, that has recommend. all three of the Sonny Chiba Street Fighter films. Yes, there are two sequels to this: The Street Fighter, Return of the Street Fighter, and mm-hmm. The Street Fighter's Last Revenge. Yes, other two films not as good. Unfortunately, not as good as the first. They also re- started a sort of spin-off series, Sister Street, Sister Fighter, Street Fighter, which is also not as good, but is still great. That first Sister Street Fighter, we haven't watched the rest yet. Yeah. It's good. That's true. It's good. That's the true. Car- we haven't watched the rest of the Sister Street Fighter movies yet. Oh. There is a version on Tubi, but I do not recommend that version. Yes. One, it is dubbed. Yes. Two, the quality is absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. There, uh, parts of people's names in the credits get chopped off by whatever fucking weird envelope formatting they're using. It sounds like it was ripped from like a VHS copy that Probably. somebody had or something. And that, that used to happen a lot with foreign movies in VHS format, I And it is probably one of the cut American releases. So yeah. Yeah. I would recommend getting the Shout Factory release, even though those other two movies are not as good. It's worth the price just for the Street Fighter. Absolutely. And you said you still found fun things in those other Oh, movies. absolutely. Yeah. In the Street Fighter's mm-hmm. Last Revenge, there's uh, the villain is an American man dressed as a matador or a mariachi. It's a little confused. Right. And he has a laser belt. <laughs> Doesn't he, like, tap the back of a guy's head and the eyeballs pop That's out? That's the second movie. That's the second movie? Yeah. Great. Good. So, you know, there's quality entertainment to be had by all. Yeah. So now jumping into spoilers, we get a flash of a newspaper headline. Junjo has been sentenced to death. Oh, fucking Junjo. Fucking Junjo at it again. At it again at the Krispy Kreme. Always getting sentenced to death. (laughs) Always getting sentenced to death. What is it, Tuesday? Junjo's getting sentenced (laughs) to death again. Every goddamn Tuesday. Junjo is a karate man. He's a karate man. (laughs) Now... Now we'll talk about this right now Let's because talk about it. the phrase karate man is yeah. so hilarious that mm-hmm. I assumed that the subs on the Shout Factory release were just transcripts of the dub. Right. But that is not the case. No, it's not. They just made the choice to use the phrase karate man. I have no idea if this is like a literal translation from the Japanese. Yeah. If they if they if if when a Jap a native Japanese speaker hears the dialogue in this movie, they hear it as clunky as the the subtitles come across. Maybe, but there has to be a. You would think I don't know. you would th- the the dialogue at least in the subtitles for the dialogue in the dub is also clunky as hell. But it's different dialogue from the also clunky dialogue in the subtitles on the Shout Factory Blu-ray. Yes. But yes, Junjo is a karate man. We, every time someone's like a master martial artist in this movie, they refer to as a karate man. That's just the official title. But Junjo is a karate man who challenged a whole karate school and killed seven men. In I wish we would have gotten this scene. Yeah. Imagine this. Like, this intro that we're going to get is mm-hmm. pretty great. It is. But imagine if... Because Junjo has some chops. We're going to see it later. Junjo has some major chops. I And I love a dojo clearing. You know, oh, you know yeah. me. I fucking love a dojo clearing. Yeah. Who doesn't? Granted, 
we're going to get a dojo clearing later. Of a sort, yes. But is there anything in the Bible that says you can't have two <laughs> dojo clearings in one movie? There, there's, there is nothing. In fact, I think, remember it's, in, when, I think it's encouraged in, in Psalms somewhere. Well, I it's remember... encouraged that there be multiple dojo clearings in a film. I remember Jesus went into the dojo and started <laughs> flipping over, flipping people, flipping the t- judo, flip, flipping them, ju- judo flipping them tables. Yeah, exactly. In in most other movies, all the setup for Junjo would be set up for would be either set up for Junjo to be the lead, mm-hmm. or this would be like the last scene in the movie, yeah. and the entire movie would have been about Junjo and his weird fucking beef with this karate school. Yeah. Uh, Junjo even kind of looks a little bit more like the traditional martial arts movie leading man. He's a little bit more like stoic, stoic, svelte, and he's and so he's just got this sort of vibe where he looks a little bit more like a Bruce Lee or or some kind of figure like that where he would be the lead of this movie. But no, no, nope. but uh, he's just about to be executed. He's just they about have to be the executed. noose ready. They do, uh, and he's refused to talk to any lawyer or chaplain, but a kindly. Buddhist wandering priest. Buddhist priest who just just happened to be to around. From, the officials make it sound like he goes from prison to prison, just like <laughs> getting off on talking to d- near dead people. He's 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 a man of goodwill. He's he a is. man of faith, and he's come into the prison to 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 minister to this poor lost soul and uh, help uh, save his soul, maybe. But here's something I learned from this movie. Yes. If you are a karate man, yes. you can instantly recognize other karate men. That is very true. That's very true. Because as the Buddhist monk enters in, uh, and the authorities have let him in because they... Not for Junjo's sake, because we know Junjo in and out of prison every yeah. Tuesday. Dirty, rotten bastard. He doesn't deserve to be saved. Oh. But he has a brother and a sister who are innocent they are in innocent. all of this. And so for their sake, they're letting this priest in. But the minute this priest enters, Junjo, who again has not spoken to anyone, asks all the other cops and officials to leave the cell. Mm-hmm. And they do. The, the movie shows the priest's face for the first time, and he is, just has this permanent scowl emblazoned on his face. He looks, there's murder in those eyes. Yeah. Maybe that's how you tell another karate man. Just the absolute yeah. murder coming out of that man's face. There's some great Bela Lugosi-style eye lighting between the two men as the understanding passes between them. And he says to the priest, I know you are also a karate man. He asks him what school is he from. He, he identifies himself as from the Shikinbaro school. And he's the last genuine Okinawa karate fire, fighter. And that he wishes he could live long enough to fight a man like this priest. The priest has indulges in a cruel smile and says, There is time still. <laughs> and then uh, a slow motion fight breaks out between the two men. Now, normally I'm not crazy about the slow motion fight. Yeah. This is fucking great. This, this is fucking works great. really well. Yes. And it's also an interesting choice. You think... Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, you're gonna want like a nice big fight to draw them in. Yes. Here, it's it's still brutal as shit as yes. all our fights are gonna be, mm-hmm. but it's it works. It really works. It, it does. It does really work. It, because it, I think most of the time, when you have an opening like this, you want the first time the action hero to do something to be kind of like that first shootout in a fistful of dollars, mm-hmm. where uh, the entire point of the scene is just to show how dangerous. Clint Eastwood's character yeah. is that he can kill all these guys and like call the number of coffins slightly inaccurately, but still, bop, 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 and they're all gone. In most action movies, that's what you want the first action scene to be. In this one, 
by necessity of the plot, we are not seeing the action hero definitely take out some rando. We're seeing the action villain, because this this character, the, the, the monk, is actually Sarugi in disguise, taking on someone who is at least his equal, as yeah. we find out later, uh, Junjo, who is an incredible karate man, and essentially taking a character who, again... In any other movie, if you didn't know what was going to happen in this film, you're watching it, you would imagine that Junjo is your lead character. Essentially, Sarugi is violently entering the movie and shoving Junjo aside yeah. and taking on the role. It's of like the... Sonny Chiba just wandered on set and was like, <laughs> fuck your movie. <laughs> exactly. Make room for Shinichi. And in, in, as if to drive that point home... As the slow motion continues, he delivers... A fucking brutal punch to the midsection of Junjo. A fucking Spoonie One soul punch right to him, and that spontaneously causes the titles to enter the movie. As the title music swells and blares, and The Street Fighter. The Street Fighter, filmed in action scope. Is that what it says? I missed that. <laughs> That's great. That's also, great. let's talk about now. Because okay. Junjo does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tsurugi's going to be doing it a lot. Yes. The breathing in this movie is fucking nuts. It's fucking nuts. And we what doing, I mean by that We were is, doing a bit of it coming out of the theme songs. It's... Like we've often said, mm-hmm. a good action movie makes you want to, like, pull out your air guns. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or throw fake punches at your friend pull like, out all your nerf and just start beating people to get death a sword with it. and just start wailing on people absolutely like a plastic sword not a real sword absolutely violent movies don't make you violent um, <laughs> they just make violent people more creative not only does the street fighter make you want to spar with your buddy oh yeah it makes you want to move like sunny chiba it makes you want to <laughs> make noise like sunny chiba sunny chiba doesn't move like anyone like sunny chiba <sighs> You know, <laughs> Bruce Lee tried to move like water. Yeah. Sonny Chiba has the free form of actual water. He's just like, I'm going to fill. I can't I can't go beyond the bounds of my skin, but I'm just going to wriggle trying to fill as much space as I can. If you've ever seen a cat approach a threat where it's like walking sideways towards it, it's got like an arched back, just like... Like that whole thing. That's Sonny Chiba's whole thing. Yeah. Every time he gets into a fight, his shoulders are arched. He's got like a whole like, weird bend to his body. He's doing these this Elvis leg jiggles, trying to like move in and out of space with the the other guy. It's like he's trying. It's like he's so close to coming up with popping and locking. <laughs> But we weren't just the world wasn't there as a society yet. Quite there yet. Like we, we just weren't ready to break that barrier. Yeah. So he couldn't get there. Otherwise, Tsurugi would be the first breakdance martial artist. Um, But the breathing. What we mean is, you know how Bruce Lee would go. Yeah, yeah. It's a trademark of martial Mm -hmm. arts movies. Yeah. Tsurugi's breathing is so loud and constant. And, and painful and, and painful like, sounding. It's just so. It's not. It's. <laughs> it sounds. It. I wrote every time I made a note about it. I wrote it as. <laughs> I wrote it. Sarugi clears his sinuses and goes in for the kill. Like that's what it sounds like every time. Everything. Ab- I, I wrote this in my notes. Mm-hmm. Sunny Chiba's God's own madman. Like. <laughs> 
it's like God was like, because let me try to outdo myself today. It's he plays this character entirely unhinged. Yeah, but he has that sort of quality. I, that like Mark Hamill's Joker has that that Venom has in the comics, where like you unquestionably understand that this character yeah. is awful. This character is the worst, but there's something about him that's just magnetic. You can't take your goddamn eyes off of him. He has so much charisma. He has so much presence, mm-hmm. and weren't like it is sort of funny, mm-hmm. but you're not watching it and going, "This is so dumb. It's hilarious." You're like, "How the fuck is this working?" Yeah, you're <laughs> that's going. The thing. Like, we're describing the way that Sonny Chiba moves, and you as a listener are listening to us and being like, this sounds like the stupidest shit in the world. And you'd be right. I can't explain it to you without you watching the movie. It works. It works so well. It works. It's like if I told you that my favorite favorite, uh, literary character was a rich dude with uh, parental issues that runs around dresses as a bat at night with a bat-themed car, you would think I was an idiot. But you watch a Batman movie and they're fucking great. Oh, it's just... man. Now I really want a Batman versus the Street Fighter movie. I would fucking love that. This movie already feels more like a comic book movie than most comic book movies. Yeah. Uh, so I would absolutely be on board. But a little bit of background about Sonny Chiba, by the way, because there is a great interview with him on the disc. He was, we kind of like made fun of him a little bit when we were watching this movie the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, me the first time, you the second time. Because the fighting in this movie, while it is incredible, is a little bit sloppier yeah, you're than, not, than you, like the Raid or, or a Bruce Lee movie. No... Sonny Chiba's probably not going to crack the top five of the best movie martial artists. Maybe not, but I think that we may have been a little bit harsh on him because re-watching this movie, he's pretty legit. He is. He's he is. pretty legit. And also, apparently, he was a martial artist first. I believe it. Uh, like he, It's clear that he knows what he's doing. He's not someone who like they brought on because... He has all this charisma, right? He just—they brought him on for the for the physical stuff, and yeah. he just happened to have a no, lot of it, charisma. No, it's clear that he's a proficient fighter. Yeah, but he he was training to be an Olympic athlete in college, but couldn't oh. go because of an injury. What so, an archery? <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, so he pivoted and turned went into acting. He was training in karate from the age of nineteen. His style, because the character never actually establishes what style he fights yeah. with in the movie. He affiliates with nobody. Yes. Except his live-in best friend. Except his uh, his husband, who we'll get to. But uh, he is, his style in real life is Kyokushi. Oh, okay. Uh, which is a full contact style. So uh, there's lots of kissing. <laughs> exactly. In the interview, he says, In Kyokushi, your teeth get knocked out, the ref picks them up and tells you to keep going. Nice. <laughs> So That's he, such a Sonny Chiba thing to say. <laughs> it's such a Sarugi thing to say, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I just assume that Sonny Chiba is like Sarugi. Uh, unfortunately. With less of the bad elements. Here's here's the thing. There was a bit of an element about the interview that was a bit of a, like, never meet your hero situation. Yeah. Where, like, he kept talking about the violence in this movie and being like, I didn't like it. Really? I didn't like the gore. I didn't like doing nasty stuff to people because that's not what karate is about. He's like, I I never would have done any of that stuff, but that's what the director and the studio wanted, so I just did it. Well, that makes sense why there's less of it in the other two movies. Weirdly, they'd asked him that, and he said, no, I I wouldn't have changed the character. I didn't care about that. 
I was uncomfortable with it, but I never would have done anything about Interesting. it. Interesting. They well, changed he, it on their own. I I appreciate that stance because that's what you always hear about karate is like yeah. it's not even it's though it's not like, about violence is what he said. Yeah. Even though I believe there's a character in this movie who's like karate was meant to kill. No, that's in this exact scene we were just describing. Oh, yeah. Junjo says real karate men like you and I understand that we're meant to go at each other to the death. Yeah, and that's what these idiots don't understand. They shouldn't be arresting me. For killing those karate students, I'm a real karate man. I'm the last real fighter in Okinawa. Yeah. So I I appreciate that. The man's allowed to have an opinion. He's allowed to have an opinion. It's okay. Yeah. Like, he doesn't enjoy it. That's fine. Yeah. But he said that he he appreciates that people like the street fighter. He hates it. Aww. (laughs) And I was like, come on, dude. (laughs) But whatever. He's allowed to have his opinion. He wanted to play more werewolf detectives. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He does say at the end, he says, I'm done with action movies because I've made hundreds of them. I think the young people should make those. Uh, but he will come back to a karate movie if someone lets him play a character like Dirty Harry. Okay. They asked him why. He says, I like Dirty Harry. <laughs> and I'm, now I'm obsessed with Sony Chiba playing a hard-nosed detective who just, like, kicks in doors and is, and is like... You know, an unhinged God's own madman yeah. interrogating suspects. That'd be fucking nuts. I love that. And he does explain the sinus noises. Oh, does he? In the interview. It's a breathing technique called Ibuki. Hmm. And he says it's about centering yourself when you're stressed or in a, or in a serious situation. <laughs> and he said, and he actually demonstrates some of it in the interview, and it sounds exactly the same. I'm sure. As it like- does in the movie. If it's a technique, it's something he learned, but now I'm picturing someone, like, taking a test. Yeah. (laughs) And just, man, like, I need to center myself. (laughs) (laughs) And even, like, before he enters the scene, we see Junjo, like, doing forms and stuff. Junjo's doing the same fucking thing. He's doing the same fucking shit. Doing his his kata. Doing his kata. But, yeah, so uh, the, the character's name is Takuma Surugi, or in the English version... Terry Sugurugi or Terry Suguri. Terry Suguri is another. There is another way that they did that name. Okay, I prefer Sugurugi. I prefer Sugurugi as personally. well. Personally, but what he's done to Junjo in this fight is given him the old, the classic. One of my favorite cliches is he hits him just so. Yes, that he goes into a delayed, delayed asphyxia. Yes. It's not just it's not just one of those things where it's like, okay, we're gonna put you into such a deep sleep they're gonna think you're dead. Right. Yeah. It's like you're gonna walk around for a little bit still <laughs> and then in exactly the right moment you're gonna keel over. It's such fists of the North Star bullshit. <laughs> but yeah, so he's given him delayed asphyxia. Yeah, and at this point, uh, Junjo says, You must be from the Dai Daigyoku school. And uh, and Sarugi says, "I belong to nothing." Yes, so good. <laughs> also, his theme music, which we first hear in this opening, is fucking phenomenal. There's uh, '70s Japanese movies have some great funk scores. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There are some nice bits of filmmaking in this movie. Like it's not just yeah. it's not just action. Mm-hmm. It is. We get a beautiful shot through the noose like it's yeah again like this is right the start of the movie even though we're 30 minutes in right yeah no most of my notes come at the beginning because most of the plot happens in the first half of the film and then the rest of it is so we're gonna run out things to say in the back half but the first half we're gonna talk a lot yeah like you get this you get this karate man stuff you get this Mm -hmm. 
slow motion fight. The filmmaking like, is legit. There's movie. some legitimately beautiful shots. And just like the way things are framed, the way they're set up, the use of dummies in this film, not as good. <laughs> I forgot to look up his career, but uh, in that interview, Chiba said that two of the reasons he chose to do this movie, even though he didn't like the script, mm-hmm. were because he got a chance to work with Toei. Oh, yeah. So, gigantic production company in Japan. And two, the director of the film was apparently already well known for being a real, like a real serious director. And he was like, this is like, this is working my way up in the film industry. I'm, this is, this is real filmmaking that we got here. So yeah, the director is no slouch. The filmmaking in this movie is fantastic. As they're leading him up to the gallows, Mm -hmm. the scaffold, he keels over from the delayed asphyxia. Yes. They put him in an ambulance. Send him to the hospital. But the ambulance is waylaid by Sarugi's husband, Rakuda, played by Japanese comedian comedian Guichi Yamada. Yes. Yes. And when we're first introduced to this character, he's kicking a bit of ass. Yes. That's, that's how tough Sarugi is. Yes. That even his comedic sidekick needs to be able to take out several cops. <laughs> And he does. He does with like what, like a cane, a pipe, or something. Yeah, he just got like a shillelagh, and he just starts yeah. like busting heads. Uh, takes over the ambulance, and he and Sarugi drive so, off. After Sarugi has his tomato juice. <laughs> after Sarugi has his tomato juice at a local uh, bodega. That's the source of Sarugi's powers. Mm-hmm. Is his V eight. <laughs> <laughs> I got me tomato juice. But yes, in the text of the film, Sarugi and Rakuda are live-in best friends and partners. They are husbands, and I will not hear otherwise. Yeah, because <laughs> Rakuda is who is called Ratnose in the credits uh, in the, the in the American version. version. Yeah, which I I hate that. Yeah, I'm not I crazy about so much. that either. But yeah. Rakuda like cooks. For Tsurugi. Yeah, he he, um, he he fills the like the, the traditional housewife kind of role where, yeah. where he cooks and then like but he the next the very next scene they're like watching TV together, he's cooking and he's like, Oh no, it got burned. burned. The chicken is carbonized. And and uh Tsurugi's like, Ah, can I eat some real food for once? He's Hold like, on. You here's, weren't eating anything and before me. Here's the line because it's uh I found an amusing mistranslation, or just a grammatical fuck-up. Can I have a proper food for once? (laughs) Just a singular proper food for once. What's the most proper food? What's the most proper food? Like a cucumber sandwich? Uh, I I think that's probably... Because I know that Alfred has offered those in the past to Batman. So, yeah, I'm guessing Alfred knows proper foods. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And Batman never wants those sandwiches. Like, he's always too busy at his bat pewter. Yeah. Uh, So I just imagine, like... Apparently the Robins like them. Okay. Yeah. But before they came, I just imagine, like, Alfred, like, crouched down in a corner of the manor, just shoving his gob... (laughs) Full of uh, all these moldering cucumber sandwiches. Like I don't want to waste food. That's not what they. That's not what they taught me in the RAF or whatever the fuck he was in. <laughs> RAF, where we taught they taught me the buttle. Yes, I know that this is becoming a running gag about me just like gay shipping characters in movies we watch. But I'm gay shipping me with Sonny Chiba. <laughs> He's a handsome fella. I am also gay shipping me with Sonny Chiba. He's one of those dudes that's like. Back in the day, there were a couple men that it was okay to admit you found attractive, like Harrison Ford, Sean Connery, (laughs) 
Back in the day, if this were more popular, Sonny Chiba would have been one of those guys. Oh yeah, no, he is. He is absolutely like the ideal of the man's man. Like we yes. talked about how, like, sort of like Svelte and and uh, and sort of more Bruce Lee esque that Junjo was. Sarugi, Sonny Chiba is a brick house. Like, yes. he, yeah, he's, he's a brick house. <laughs> that song was written about this movie. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's got like the, the the posters for all of the Street Fighter movies, including the sister Street Fighter movies that have Sonny Chiba in them. Always draw him like Superman. Like he yes. looks like a fucking comic book character. And then you watch the movie and looks he like fucking looks Luke Cage. exactly like that. Yeah, like he's and yeah, he even has his own like super villain outfit that he wears yeah. in the movie where he's. It's Not, all black with like uh, wrist guards. With wrist guard, with metal wrist guards, which we find out at the end hide tiny little knives in them. Yeah. So it's a their utility belts on his arms throughout the movie. Uh, Rakuda will always refer to Surugi as partner, which is suggestive enough. But it's made even more suggestive by the by the phonetic word that they're using, which I do not know the word. I don't know okay. Japanese. But the word that he's using to refer to partner, that is being translated as partner in the subtitles, sounds phonetically very much like a person with a thick Brooklyn accent saying the word darling. Okay. It sounds like he's saying darling every time. Darling, darling. So I just keep imagining that he's calling, that he whenever he's yelling out for Sarugi, he's always yelling for his darling. <laughs> which just, you know, is so oh, sweet. Oh, darling. Please believe me. Um, that song also written about this movie. Yes, yes. the Beatles. <laughs> the, the Beatles, Beatles traveled in time, <laughs> and to on their tour of India, where they got real mystical and traveled <laughs> forward in time to meet Sonny Chiba. Exactly. Junjo's brother and sister arrive. Yeah, here's Tsurugi. Absolutely great evil man. Mm-hmm. Not so smart inviting people to like just to his hideout. Just to his house. Just to his apartment. His apartment slash gym. His apartment slash gym. Uh but yeah, so he he invites them over. They are also dressed like comic book characters. Yes. With the brother in particular having this jacket that's like absolutely form fitted to his middle, but mm -hmm. like puffs out at the top. It, it just looks like... Looks like a Frank Miller design from uh, The yes, Dark Knight Returns. Absolutely does. Uh, they arrive, and uh, it turns out Sarugi was hired by these siblings to rescue Junjo from the noose. And they now want to see him. But Sarugi points out, would have been fucking stupid to bring yeah. uh, a fugitive from Japanese justice to Tokyo. Yeah. And so he sent him... He, he dropped his asphyxiated ass on a ship to Hong yeah. Kong. Oh, he got him on a slow boat to China. <laughs> uh, Sarugi says, hey, you guys still owe me three million yen. Mm -hmm. And the brother says, well, we don't pay until we see Junjo. And Sarugi doesn't take kindly to that. And no. So uh, starts kicking the brother's ass. Quite good. Uh, every fight scene in this movie is better than the last. Yeah, Like, every absolutely. fight scene in this movie is incredible. But every fight scene gets better than the one before it. Every time I was a fight scene happened in this movie, I thought, this is the best fight scene. Yeah. And usually it grows in scope as well. Yes. Not always, but even when it's not adding more bodies to be punched, yes. it's doing some crazy shit. Ex exactly, exactly. Even when we go from the last fight scene was a fight scene with ten men, now it's a fight scene between him and one other person. Yeah. There's something in there 
that wasn't there before that, like, increases the stakes slightly. So the sister admits to them that they're not actually holding out to see Junjo. They're holding out because they, they just don't, don't have, the, have money. the cash. Uh, but uh, that's okay. Sarugi says uh, that uh, as long as they give him some kind of collateral... They can have some more time to raise the money. Very reasonable man, yes. our Sarugi. What kind of collateral would he, would he want? Well, before he answers, he fully assaults the sister. Uh, just, like, grabs her and forces a kiss on yeah, her. Yeah, he gives her no-no smooches. He kisses her so hard, I think he draws blood. It's either blood or lipstick. Or lips. It uh, might be lipstick, If yeah. it's lipstick, he's really putting his teeth into that kiss. He's like, he's teeth. really <laughs> just like, that's how, I, that's how I'm going to kiss from now on. Just like... <laughs> Jut out my teeth and just smear it against her lips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's so sexy. Again, with the kind of insanity that Sonny Chiba inhabits yeah. in this movie, fully believe it. Fully believe it. But yes, and he says, you'll sell. You'll sell. God, what an asshole. The brother, even more incensed by this, once again tries to fight Sarugi. The sister gets into the fight. She also knows how to fight. Yes. Now, the sister it would go on to appear in the... Uh, that actress yes. would appear again in the final Street Fighter movie and was also the star of the sister Street Fighter films. Yes. Her name is Etsuko Shihomi, mm-hmm. and she was a disciple of Sonny Chiba's. Yeah, she went to... Uh, I thought when we first read that that she was someone he taught martial arts to. That may be true, but what's more true is that she was a student of his acting school. Oh, okay. He is sta- He apparently was very disappointed with the caliber of actors he worked with. Why are you not moving right? <laughs> Pretty much exactly. Like, in the interview, he's, he explains that he thinks American actors understand better than Japanese actors. His words, not mine. The importance of f- the full body being involved yeah. in your performance. And that Japanese actors, that at least the ones that he was working with at the time, were lazy and didn't want to put in that kind of effort. Gotcha. So he established a acting school very early on in his career to try and teach actors to get physically fit and use their entire body. And uh, this woman, what was her name again? Etsuko Shihomi. Was one of his first students. She apparently failed out the first time, and then he was like, come on back and try again. And she graduated the second time, and then eventually got into the Sister Street Fighter movies. I think Sonny Chiba has a weird idea about American actors. I don't think... I have not seen what he's talking about. Yeah, I'm not Uh, not real sure either. Yeah, Maybe he saw a bunch of plays, which, as we talked about before, is a lot of arm acting, a lot of... <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of arm acting. It's it's, it's entirely possible. But I, I just want to point out that Etsuko mm-hmm. Shihomi is a fantastic martial artist in her own right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, she, she's very good. You watch Sister Street Fighter, and she seems more she, more technically proficient than uh, Sonny Chiba. Chiba does in yeah. many scenes. Yeah. I mean, I... I am not qualified to judge that, but it seems like yeah. she is more, at least more proper and less animalistic. Yeah, she's and that's probably what it is. A little bit more of the like the tight, controlled kind of martial yeah. arts you see more from people like Bruce Lee and stuff like that. Whereas again, Sonny Chiba is just a wild man. Yes. Yeah. Wild man Steve. <laughs> wild man Steve from uh, uh, Petey Wheatstraw. <laughs> but now it's not uncommon to see in old movies a lady get slapped around. Uh, unfortunately, no. It is but not. 
That's not what happens here. Tsurugi straight up combos this poor woman. <laughs> yes. Uh, and again, she is a martial artist in her own right. Yeah. But still, we don't really know that. So he's just doing like a three-hit combo on her. Tsurugi does not... Speaking of Dirty Harry, much like his set of Dirty Harry in that movie, Tsurugi doesn't care your race, your gender, your any your culture, no. your creed. You're going to drop like the rest. <laughs> and he is going to make you hurt. Uh, the brother tries once again to fight Tsurugi. The sister gets in on the fight. Uh, he's ju- But Tsurugi is just too powerful. As he's beating the living shit out of both of them, he tells them that he can't. He hates a man who doesn't keep his promises. Makes him, he says, you make me sick. You make me sick. And this sick. is coming from a man who's about to sell a woman into sex slavery. <laughs> it's literally about to indulge in sex trafficking. I, I want to I point out something that I love in martial arts movies, and that's the sound effects. Oh, my God. They do so much heavy lifting. Like Some yeah. people find them hokey, especially Hong Kong martial well, arts. They, they lay them, are hokey. They it doesn't are, matter. <laughs> but especially like Hong Kong martial arts movies, they like to really lay it on thick. Yeah. But... As we as we've talked about, the martial arts in this movie on the part of Sarugi is so brutal and animalistic, mm-hmm. and a lot of that lifting is done by the great Foley work and sound effects. Yeah. The only time that I really notice the sound effects, because you don't want to notice, you the don't want to notice them. I, this was my third watch, so I right. was like, but like, let's we, try to figure out the key to this brutality. The only time where something stuck out to me where I was like, that doesn't sound like that should go there, is at that very opening when Junjo's doing his kata in the in his cell. And, and there's uh, just a bunch of fart noises. <laughs> there's a bunch of wind noises being made every time. And he's not moving especially fast. He's no. just doing exercises. He's doing Tai Chi, essentially, but every time he moves an arm, and it's just, okay. Tone it down a bit, but the rest of the movie, no, the sound works incredibly well. I was watching the, I was watching this part, making notes about Sonny Chiba. I, I wrote down, uh, I would compare him to like Bruce Campbell or Kurt Russell, but with the full body acting commitment of Toshiro Mifune. Sure, yeah, I would compare him to just some beast man, <laughs> just, just some, some, just some beast man. Just, like he, lo- oh my god, it's. <laughs> Just hard just to explain. The straight up the wolf man. He's yeah, straight he up looks the wolf like a man. dude who would eventually go on to play a werewolf detective. <laughs> By the way, I know that sounds like the best movie ever, and Wolf Guy is not a bad movie, mm-hmm. but you're not going to get as much werewolf stuff as you want. That sucks. It's almost like just casually like, hey, he's also a werewolf sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he 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 beats the brother within an inch of his life, and the. Brother goes to do a flying kick. Flying kick. Goes right out the window. Right out the fucking this window. This is the dangers of karate. This is the dangers of the karate. This is what they don't tell you. And he falls out the window, however many stories up they are, lands on the ground, and like everybody else who dies from falling in this movie, absolutely explodes in blood. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. It's like a ripe tomato. <laughs> and Sarugi's looking out the window with a face that just says... Huh. <laughs> and meanwhile, the sister's looking out the window and just screaming her head off. But we abruptly cut to the Seibukan uh, Karate School uh, with Sensei Kendo Mas- Masaoka. Masaoka. Now, this character is, aside from Tsurugi, mm-hmm. the only character who appears in all three films. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I think, well, all of the... Something that Sonny Chiba pointed out in the interview, all the martial artists in this movie are all real martial artists they yeah. hired. They did not go to hire actors. They hired martial artists. Yeah. 
Uh, and that goes for Sonny Chiba as well, even though he was looking to get into acting at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I fully believe that this... Because before we get to see uh, Master Kendo do anything here, we first see a whole... Basically an advertisement for this school. Yeah. We see a bunch of, like, him running drills with his students. We see some slow motion shots of them breaking a bunch of boards, bricks, cinder blocks, uh, including Master Kendo doing this incredibly impressive thing where he just, like, slices a whole bunch of cinder blocks in half Mm -hmm. with one hand. Basically, I think someone was like, we want to shoot at your school, and he's like... If you let me shoot a quick commercial, <laughs> sure. Also, this sort of thing is very de rigueur, like uh, with martial arts movies. From mm-hmm. J- like you're going to get yeah. the training one. We see one, we see a bizarre one in Sister Street Fighter with all the different goons that has been hired by the bad guy all just like having a little <laughs> training party. Yes. Sensei Kendo goes to Sarai Hammett, an heiress of an oil dynasty, an oil yes. company dynasty, one of the biggest oil companies in the world. And I guess he's her uncle? Is that what the, yes. the relationship is? And Sarai... Uh, Oji-san. Sarai's father has just died. Yes. Her father, Dashiell Hammett. Da- <laughs> her father, Dashiell Hammett. Famed uh, pulp detective story writer, Dashiell Hammett. Yes. And apparently also an oil tycoon. Yes. Uh, Owner of Roxxon Chemicals mm. has just passed away, and uh, Sarai uh, gives us a quick taste of what will be her very overacted performance for the rest of the movie yeah. here. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. Like it's but an it exploitation. Is, it's Grindhouse. It like is, you're not. It's very hammy acting, and I don't mind that. It's good. Uh, it's very entertaining. But she's 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 definitely a bit of a ham, and she's just very oh no about the whole thing. Oh, Sarugi. <laughs> What are you talking about? Yeah. Another member of the karate school, as they're talking about it, uh, warns her that now that her father is dead, the vultures are going to start to circle. Knives out and beaks bloody. <laughs> and we immediately, the minute he mentions vultures, we immediately cut back to Sarugi. <laughs> <laughs> Sarugi is meeting uh, with Mr. Mudaguchi. At the Mudaguchi Company. And Mr. Mudaguchi is congratulating Sarugi on being the meanest man he's ever met. <laughs> and he's met Leroy Brown. <laughs> he's met Mean Joe Green. He's met Mean Mr. Mustard. He's met Oscar the Grouch. Oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit. He's, he's met Peter Sellers. <laughs> <laughs> but Sarugi is the meanest guy he's ever met. Sarugi was prompted this is that Mr. Mudaguchi is the man that Sarugi went to to sell the sister of Junjo into sex slavery. And we cut to an uncomfortably long scene of her being just, well, an attempted gang rape. Let's say that. Yeah. Which ends with her being drugged. Yes. And we don't see her for a while. And screaming at just such a pitch that it made all of my cats panic. (laughs) Another interesting thing to note Mm -hmm. is there was a black character in this movie. Yes. Not the best portrayal of a black person in film. Of all of the the gang rapists in this scene, this black guy is the only one who the film goes out of its way to show being horned up about the situation. He, the rest of them are just sort of like, well, she's our property, we gotta break her in, but also, he's like excited about it. His name is apparently Bondo. Okay. Okay. Uh, so adding another one to the list of James Bonds from the Casino Royale yeah. episode. That's the magician James Bond that Orson Welles wanted to play. The amazing Bondo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the magician James Bond that he wanted to play. Yeah. Oh my god. Yet another secret movie hidden within Casino Royale. <laughs> that would have been great. But yeah, even in this scene, we see that this girl is incredibly tough as it takes every guy mm -hmm. and the syringe of drugs to subdue her. She keeps, like, reaching out and strangling She strangles dudes. Bondo mm -hmm. and... Uh, kudos to Bondo and the actor playing Bondo. Yeah. It's not, like, subtle acting, no. but his his sell of the choking, I loved it. Oh, yeah. No, bon Bondo is not there for very long, but he does... Bondo sells it. And because of... <laughs> the great Bondo sells it. In the 70s, at least in sort of grindhouse exploitation films, it was not uncommon to see black characters, which I find interesting whenever I watch... Yeah. Something like that. Because, like, modern-day Japanese stuff, you don't see very many no. black people in those movies at all. In return for selling this woman, Tsurugi has gotten the three million yen that, mm. he, that he felt that he was owed. The movie wants you to know that Tsurugi is not just a bastard, he is an evil bastard. Uh, Mr. Midaguchi introduces Tsurugi to some evil friends of his. Yes. Miss Yang and Mr. Liang. Uh, you can tell they're evil, because this is a movie that was made in Japan. And, and they these are characters Chinese. are Chinese. I am, this is not me making any judgment on Chinese people at all, but if you watch a movie made in China and there's a Japanese character, they're the bad guys. Mm. If you watch a movie in Japan... And or in China. China. It, well, it, okay. Yeah, I, I did that one. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. The, if you watch I was a movie not in Japan, listening, and I just assumed you did the Japan <laughs> one first. You get the idea, and so Even though I wasn't listening, I was like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> There's some racism to be had in the movie, is yeah. what we're saying. As you're going to find in most exploitation. In most exploitation. Unfortunately. unfortunately. This is what this is something you have to grapple with as a fan of exploitation movies. As a fan of old movies in general. Yeah. I remember as a kid being really into the universal horror movies, getting to The Mummy 4, and being like, oh god, when it takes place in uh, Louisiana. And there's oh no. A, and there's a black character right out of uh, Gone with the Wind running around just saying the worst kind of dialogue, which I will not repeat. That's probably for the best. Yeah. Uh, but Sarugi is known, even in Hong Kong, even to these Chinese uh, mobsters, he is known as a man who can make the impossible possible. I... <laughs> Every time anyone talks about Sarugi in this movie, all I hear is the guy from uh, I John think Wick. I think Rambo uh, Two being like, "There's no one who can touch him, General. No one in your whole damn army." I just really just got a flash where I wish the the second Street Fighter movie was like a thing like John Wick, where he's like out of the game now, and everyone's trying to pull him back in. That would be if Sony Chiba didn't hate this character so much, that would be the movie we would make now. Yes. Where it'd be like... The well, the man's the unfortunately dead, and even if he Oh, did he was, die? He is dead. Oh, I didn't uh, He passed that. away pretty recently, I believe. Right. But either way, he would be elderly. Yes, he would. But, like, just like Rambo 4, where, where you know, he comes back and just, like, absolutely obliterates a bunch of people into bloody entrails. Okay. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, so they want Tsurugi to kidnap Sarai from the Seibukan Karate School, and since he is a karate man... He is the only man for the job. <laughs> Takes a karate man to beat a karate man. <laughs> As we found out in the opening, yeah. that's exactly right. It Rock, takes paper, scissors, karate man, karate man. <laughs> they had to take karate man out of that game because no matter what you pick, karate man always yeah. wins. Whether it's yeah. karate man 1 or karate man 2. And, yeah. And if... Both players draw Karate Man as they would every time. Right. It just becomes a slapping contest. Yes. <laughs> a slapping contest to the death because yes. you're a real Karate Man at that, at that exactly. point. Exactly. Uh, so well, if you both throw Karate Man 1, that's like... <laughs> 
that's like the training wheels mode. But okay. if like if you throw Karate Man two, oh shit, it's to the death. Oh shit. And even if one man throws Karate Man 1 and the other man throws Karate Man 2, that means Karate Man 2 has to kill Karate Man 1. Yes. It's not a matter of honor at that point. Uh, so there's some haggling. We have a very intense haggling scene mm-hmm. between Sarugi and these characters. And finally, uh, Sarugi says that he's not he's not into what they're selling. No. Uh, he tries to walk away from the table, and they decide that he can't leave because they've told him what they're planning to do. Yeah. Sarugi puts does this incredible move, which I have never seen in anything it's else. It's so damn good. It's so, it's, the scene does not even require this <laughs> level of acrobatics. It's just, again, I know. <sighs> He's put Sarugi in an arm bar, and in order to get out of it, Sarugi literally does like a full, like, somersault. Front flip, yeah. front flip in midair, and twists the guy around, so he now has this other guy in this arm it's lock. It's so damn cool. It's, fuck, man. Like, <laughs> Again, as we learned, this is not Sonny Chiba. Yeah. But I like to imagine that old Shinichi was like, it's been a while, it's been like five minutes since I did something cool. <laughs> Why am I not doing something cool here? Why am I not doing something cool? Hey, I can do this insane flip. <laughs> From Oh, if only someone gave Sonny Chiba a skateboard. Oh my god. Imagine what the man could have achieved. <laughs> now imagining hackers but the bad guy is Sonny Chiba (laughs) and while he's typing he's just (laughs) he puts him into an arm lock and flips open his shirt to reveal a a tattoo on his arm that identifies Mr. Liang as a member of the Goryu Kai a Hong Kong based assassination company that's a subsidiary of the mafia Adios, Mafia. Adios, Mafia. Here's an interesting thing. In the version yeah. on Tubi, that English dub, this man is a representative. All this China stuff is gone. All of it's gone. Yeah. It's not. It's still there. I think this they, is the same dub that I saw on the Blu-ray. It's, but yeah. it's still there. Mm-hmm. All these scenes are still there, but it, they're all Japanese. And this man is a member of the Yakuza. Yes, because it's a movie from Japan, so he, we have to name check the Yakuza. We can't have all these countries. Yeah, it's, it's too, too many, many countries. countries. <laughs> it's too many countries. So, uh, Goryu Kai, what is that? What is it? What is that Some Dragon Ball Z character? What's going on? Uh, but yeah, no, yeah, I was really disappointed because this scene has some of my favorite lines in the movie. Yeah. Right after he reveals it, and he, and he looks at Mutaguchi with this, this playful little smile, and he's like, "Oh, you're getting involved with the Guru Kai now, Mutaguchi. Oh shit." Uh, I don't know why I just thought of this, but Shinichi Chiba's Han Solo. Motherfucker, yes. Like, yeah, absolutely. In the version where Toshiro Mofune also plays Obi Wan Kenobi. Kenobi, which is a real thing that George Lucas wanted Toshiro Mofune to play uh, Obi Wan Kenobi and didn't work out. You know, George Lucas famously was like, oh no, I don't. I, uh, man, it's too much that I show my character Han Solo killing a man in cold blood yeah. in the opening of, of Star Wars. I have to take that back. I, I mean, imagine if Han Solo had sold. <laughs> Had sold some innocent woman into sex trafficking in the opening of fucking Star Wars. No, no, no. What happens is they go to the bar, they meet him, and they're like, Well, how are you going to pay me? Yeah. And he's like, like, He looks at Luke and he's like, Your ass will make money. Mutaguchi, realizing that now Sarugi knows even more than he did when they initially wanted to kill him, uh, pulls out a gun. But Sarugi just throws Liang at him. (laughs) Sarugi reminds them. That while he may be a supervillain, 
he's an honorable supervillain, and that there's an evil code of conduct that he follows. It, in my favorite line of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> there's an evil code of conduct, uh, and he has a. Tight I wish he would have pulled out a handbook. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I'm. I, I, I've, I've studied Bad Horses manual for the Council of Doom. I'm, I'm on, I know the 411. And he's, he's just like, I, yeah, I have a very tight mouth. And he pushes the doors open behind him and just like moonwalks right out of there. Sarugi <laughs> <laughs> really should be the lamest person in the universe, but he's so fucking cool. It's all, and it's I all Chiba. Get it. <laughs> Chiba's just. I don't know. He unlocks something as this character, which is so fucking magnetic. So, and I saw Wolf Guy mm-hmm. before I saw this because I just yeah. I, I'd been hearing about Sonny Chiba, right? So it was, I think he had just passed away at that point. So I was mm-hmm. like, I need to check this dude out. Mm-hmm. And Wolf Guy's a fun movie. It's not bad, but I was not as taken with Chiba sure. as I was as I am in this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this again, this was a big. Even though he wasn't a fan of the story. Or the character, this was a big career move for Sonny oh, yeah. Chiba. So I'm sure that like he was like, I'm gonna take advantage yeah. of this shit. I'm not gonna let this pass me by. But yeah, later Sarugi and Rakuda are having a cute couples workout session. Yeah, they're working out. It's a little comedy scene. A little, little comedy scene where Rakuda keeps pretending that he's working out whenever Sarugi's looking at yeah. him, and then really isn't. And also barking orders at Sarugi yes. about how to do his workout. <laughs> but then uh, a in bunch bust of... goons! A bunch of Liang's, Liang and his army of assassins burst in. Sarugi drops his weights and just launches into these fucking people. And here's where you really start to see the brutality of this man's style. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's a reason the movie is called The Street fighter Mm -hmm. is because even though he's doing hella dope karate Mm -hmm. it still feels like the man is just going nuts like and and here's where i noticed like we talked about like the way he moves reminding me of like an angry cat yeah i wondered if that was an intentional choice on his part because i don't remember him moving like that in sister street fighter i remember him having a more traditional stance in those movies i wonder if because this character is such a um a broken on his back all the time, scrappy asshole, <laughs> for lack of a better term, that maybe that was an acting choice on his part to be just like, this guy's an alley cat. This guy's literally like, just like a, it, a, scrappy I would not, little, a scrappy little forgotten thing. I would not put it past him from everything yeah. you've told me today. Right. Oh Again, man, I would have killed for an Inside the Actors studio with Sonny Chiba. Oh my God. <laughs> with James Lipton <laughs> just being like, one time you kicked a man in the back of the head so hard his eyeballs popped out. Tell me about that. <laughs> exactly. The fight scene's very hard to describe yeah, a fight no, scene. Yeah, no, absolutely. As, about as hard to, to describe a musical number is in a musical. Just know that it's awesome. It's uh, so great. Tsurugi has no mercy ever. No. And it ends with something... A lot of this movie will live in my mind rent-free forever. Yes. But the first real moment of that... Yes. Tsurugi uh, has a dude up against a wall. Like, he's he's sitting up up against a wall. It's Liang. Oh, is it Liang? Yeah. He puts his fist against the dude's mouth, Mm -hmm. pulls it back, and then, like... Really quickly strikes him. Just like Bruce Lee one-inch punches him right yeah. in the fucking teeth. And there's a pause, and then he starts to spit out teeth. <laughs> and then just like a blood spray out just of his mouth. It's teeth, so fucking brutal and insane. and blood just flowing out of this man's mouth. 
like a fucking anime. <laughs> Just another Aquid mo- reference that constantly occurs to me yeah. and occurs to me all throughout this movie mm-hmm. is the phrase "the dude has got no mercy," <laughs> and that absolutely describes Chiba. That could be the tagline of this movie. It should be the tagline of this movie. <laughs> the dude has got no mercy. I think the actual tagline was first X-rated action movie in America, Probably. which is also a good tagline. Yeah. He makes Liang spit out every one of his top row of teeth, uh, leaving with a mouthful of blood, and tells him to tell Yang that he's her enemy now. When you interrupt leg day. That's a cardinal sin in the yeah. book of Suguri. Also, again, I just love how easy it is to find Surugi's hideout. I imagine <laughs> I imagine he's in whatever... He's this... in the book. Yeah, I was about to say. like, <laughs> He's just in the yellow pages. The yellow pages, he's... E under evil guys. <laughs> In return for his failure, Yang just kind of they they she meets up with Yang with with Liang and Yang just has like this sort of deep breath is like okay suicide or death. What oh do you no want? no it's <laughs> no it's fucking better than that. Okay she's what like, is it? Suicide or execution. That's right. And, and he's I just, fucking love it. This is the best movie. And she's and in he, like this riding outfit. This that's right. Absolutely yep. gorgeous red riding outfit. Mm-hmm. Not like Red Riding Hood, but like. A lady who's about to go riding. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. And and uh, and he and and Liang freaks out. He tries to get away, and, and she shoots, shoots him in the him. fucking back. She shoots him several times. Oh yeah, she shoots him in the back. Then he like flips over, and she keeps <laughs> shooting. You gotta. You just gotta. Yeah. We cut back to Sarugi, who, despite the fact that uh, he has not accepted the assignment and has now declared Yang as as his enemy, has shown up at the Seibu Khan school, decides to go in and just beat up everyone. <laughs> That's his love language. <laughs> he doesn't know how else to, like, he can't just go in and be like, hey, I want to help you. Oh, man. He doesn't... <laughs> Actually, the se- the Return of the Street Fighter should be Tsurugi going to therapy. <laughs> no, it really should. The fucker needs it, as we find out later in the scene. But Tsurugi goes in and just cleans everyone's clock on yeah. his way uh, just casually walking through the school beating the shit out of everyone he meets until he gets to Sarai in which he forces himself upon her yeah the only way he knows how to interact with women with a kiss he doesn't like yeah no he doesn't he doesn't uh, fully like rape her but he he, he goes and, and he and he forces a kiss on her while also still beating people up <laughs> I should be remarked upon and finally, Master Kendo comes in and says, what do you want? And he says, you're supposed to be hot shit. I want to fight you. <laughs> someone calls someone the best karate man in all of Japan. Right, yeah. Someone called oh, Kendo. Oh, I haven't used my preferred phrase to refer to Sonny Chiba. What is that? The man from Japan. The man from Japan. Where did you, that come from? I don't know. I okay. Just, I've... Because you've, I've heard you've it, used that multiple times when we've watched Sonny Chiba movies, and I never knew where it came from. Someone other than him, I believe, was once described as the man from Japan, like uh-huh. in something, but I just think of... Just that Sonny, Sonny Chiba, Chiba is the definitive the man, man from, from Japan. Japan for me. I Even get though it. I've seen like more Toshiro Mifune movies, mm-hmm. more uh, movies with uh, Tetsuro Waka, Dr. Daddy from Lone Wolf and Cub. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Ogami. Dr. Daddy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dr. Daddy. The actor, the actor who plays uh, Ogami in Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah. I've seen more movies with him. Right. I got the Zatoichi set, so I'm going to be seeing more movies with... You've seen uh, a lot of Japanese movies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But 
Shinichi Chiba, the man from Japan. He's the man from Japan. He's the closest thing to a human Godzilla that we'll ever get. He's just oh, like, those two should have fought. <laughs> fucking A. <laughs> just absolute path of nuclear destruction everywhere that he goes. I just picture him like riding Mothra and delivering like oh, a flying knee to Godzilla's God. snout. Be still my beating heart. Holy shit. Anyway. So yeah, Sarugi wants a bout. That's his, that's his mm-hmm. phrase. He uses, he wants a bout uh, with Kendo. Absolute madman. Kendo agrees. So we'll say this now. I'm yeah. going to say this now. Go for it. Kendo is the only, mm, pretty much the only dude who takes Sarugi in the movie. Like, yeah. Later. And or, even he, it's more of like a standstill fight. Yeah. Yeah. But Kendo looks like an elderly Mario. Yes, he does. Yes. He is. And he is. I would absolutely describe him as a Japanese Bob Hoskins. Yes. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, he, he's. I just love it that this portly old man yeah. is the brick wall that Tsurugi can't punch through. Absolutely. And this and this scene I think that when people think about dojo clearing scenes, I think it's fair to say most people think of Fist of Fury. Sure. I've seen many. Sure. Not to brag. <laughs> sure, sure. But I think that like most people probably think of Fist of Fury or they think of a movie that was intentionally referencing Fist of Fury yeah. like Kill Bill. That that's sort of the the dojo clearing sequence that most dojo clear clearing sequences are referencing when they talk about it. I think that this movie that this scene is an intentional reference to Fists of Fury. And I have a couple reasons for that. One, the movie came out in 74, Fists of Fury came out in 72. Gotcha. It was very fresh in the public consciousness. Two, Fists of Fury, the sequence uh, where Bruce Lee clears that dojo. Clear that dojo. (laughs) My favorite game show of all time. Oh my God, I watch that every week. (laughs) Like, uh, martial artists, like, sort of drawing out their game plan about how they're going to clear the dojo, like a, like a football chalkboard and everything, and then they go in and they enact their plan. Every week, absolute killer. And then, uh, someone comes in and helps restore the dojo. It becomes Dojo Rescue. Oh my gosh! Which is like, oh man, you guys, no wonder you got cleared. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. But yes, yeah, these so- so- shoji panels gotta come out. We're gonna put in some chrome work. <laughs> but yeah, so it it uh, it starts. Bruce Lee goes in. He starts fighting a bunch of the students, and then eventually, the sort of overweight sensei of the dojo comes out, and they fight. It's a bit more of a challenge for Bruce Lee, but mm-hmm. Bruce Lee's character in that movie, Chen Zen, is presented as basically Superman. So yeah. nothing's really a challenge for him. And there comes this uh, famous bit where the sensei literally grabs Chen Zhen and just tosses him through the air. Because it's Chinese, it would be the Sifu. Well, he's a sen- but this is a Japanese. Oh, school. I'm sorry. So he's a sensei. Yeah, because that, again, this is one of those movies where the entire point is we're Chinese and we hate the Japanese. Yes. See also uh, Ipmon. Right. The, the entire Ipmon franchise. Uh, but yeah, so he just picks up Bruce Lee and tosses him. Bruce Lee does a flip and lands. Uh, on his feet with no problems whatsoever, yeah. just sort of like scratches his nose in that Bruce Lee way and then gets right back into the fight. We get a brief moment of the sensei just being like absolutely shocked that this happened. Um, in this scene, I don't know if it's been communicated from the constant assaults 
Yeah. The criminal interactions, the mercenary attitude, the general lack of decorum. Sarugi is not Superman. No. Uh, <laughs> Which I love. I love when characters take damage. I'll mention this. Yes. Any action movie and anything, I love when when our main character's taking damage. Sarugi is like the martial arts movie equivalent, is almost the martial arts movie equivalent of like a John McClane character. Sure. Where like, yeah, he's still like a superhuman force of fucking power, but he does take fucking damage. Yeah. And, well, with that uh, first Die Hard, it gets talked about a lot, but he's yeah. more human in that, so of course he's going to take damage. That's, and that's that's what I'm more talking about, like like that kind of John McClane, where he like where he's, he's not a superhuman, he's just uh, he's just a guy, clever. Yeah, but I mean, like Sarugi is not a human; he's a supervillain. No, but, he's like, a fucking beast. He's a fucking monster, but like he does take damage. And in this scene, I think that it was it's a it's an intentional reference. He fights all the students. He beats him no problem. He goes up against the again overweight. Uh, leader of this, the sensei of the school, and once again, it's kind of a standstill fight, much more brutal than the Bruce Lee fight, of mm-hmm. course, because it's this movie. And then the sensei grabs him and throws him. He does a flip just like Bruce Lee. He lands a little bit more unsteadily than Bruce Lee, but he still lands on his feet. But instead of turning around and seeing the sensei shocked that he landed on his feet, the sensei has not waited for him to recover and is already up in his business, yeah. grabs him immediately tosses him again and this time he lands on the floor like Wiley e. Coyote goes <laughs> skidding across the floor and breaks the wall with his with his face yeah and also of course breaks his own face on the wall it's so fucking good like it's such a like again it's in, a brilliant move in this environment in the 70s when martial arts movies were so uh ev- so so uh prevalent prevalent so so over um seen by everybody uh, oversaturating the market what a statement of purpose to say this ain't that yeah this ain't what you've seen this is fucking Sarugi and he's going to get his face broken on a wall <laughs> let's not oversell it this doesn't yeah. happen much throughout the rest of the film no he's gonna take a few hits but yeah. here no, we he's, actually he's here still we, a superhuman monster but here still. we're seeing him get getting beat as Brad pointed out like this is the only guy who like really aside from Junjo later yeah really stands up to him Sonny Chiba makes a couple of wild claims in the interview on the disc yeah uh, <laughs> what that he invented the internet yeah <laughs> Not quite that wild, but like in the same vein. Uh, he claims that Bruce Lee really wanted to work with him. Okay. Uh, that they could never make their schedules work, and then Bruce Lee died. Yeah, Br- Brad just rolled his eyes, and I, I feel that in my soul. I uh, The wilder claim that he makes is that Jackie Chan was a huge fan of his. That's not the wild part. I, I buy that, sure. Yeah. Jackie Chan was a huge fan of his, and grew up on his movies the timelines for that do not match up at all uh and uh met with sony chiba and asked him why he never used stuntmen in his movies and that it inspired jackie to promise to sony that he would never use a stuntman in any of his movies and i'm like dude i love you already shut up obviously that's not true (laughs) but wouldn't it be great if it was that would be amazing that would if it be was. Fucking fantastic. I would love that. It's categorically not. No. But it would be amazing if it was. I want that to be true. It's not. <laughs> it's fucking not. <laughs> Sonny Chiba, maybe not as cool as Sarugi. 
He's a but, man. He's a man. He's an actor. He's allowed yes. his faults. He's allowed his foibles. I'm, was was this interview with old Chiba or young Chiba? This is with uh, old Chiba. Okay. Yeah. So you know, this is like towards the end of his life, I guess. Probably this is a this is in the I think this was in the nineties when the movie was being re released. Gotcha. Uh, in ninety seven, I think. I'm not sure. So you know how old people are? They're liars. <laughs> I have observed this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it happens. Yeah, it does happen. Your brain just turns to mush. It <laughs> turns into the oatmeal that you eat. Yeah. Um, to the <laughs> I already said mush, so I can't. The mush that you eat. The gruel. The gruel. The the old people gruel. The, the old people the gruel. issue with your social security checks. <laughs> oh man, I got my social security check and my little bag of gruel. Just add water. You ever had gruel? <laughs> It's hard to find a restaurant that serves. <laughs> and it's hard to find a hearty gruel. Like a hearty, fulfilling gruel. That's even it's hard. It's hard to find a good gruel these yeah. days. I mean, you have a bowl of gruel, it's not getting you through the day. When you have to go to the factory as a child and get your little fingers caught in a... Uh, industrial sewing machine. Right, yeah, 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 absolutely. You're going, I wish I had a protein had bar instead of just a thin bowl of gruel. Just a thin bowl of gruel. That I'm eating out of a wooden bowl I carved myself. You know what, I, I think, I, it, I, I'll i just say it, millennials are ruining the gruel industry. They are, they're killing it. <laughs> they're killing they're the gruel killing industry. It. They're absolutely killing it. It's not uh, keto friendly, that's the problem. <laughs> Exactly. It's not keto friendly. So Kendo Kendo has Sarugi on the ground. He's like, I know you. Yeah. So like, wait a second. I'm Macho Daddy. <laughs> I know a Sarugi. I know a Sarugi. Wasn't your dad that weirdo who went to Hong Kong and tried to fuse Japanese and Chinese martial arts together? And this causes Sarugi to have a weird flashback. Uh, to when he was a chat. When he was a child. When he was a chat? When he was I was going to say I was still thinking about daddy. <laughs> So I, I combine chatty child and daddy for chatty. Chatty. Um, but I was uh, I also referred to uh, young Tsurugi as baby Tsurugi. Sure. So that was also on my mind. Right. But so we see baby Tsurugi. It's a black Tsurugi. and white flashback. It's yes. like Schindler's List. I was thinking it looks. It, it, I guess it's the same thing, but it does kind of look like the flashbacks with Magneto's past in the X Men movies. Here's a note I made. Yeah. I wish. Uh, let's describe what happens and I'll do okay. this bit. Sarugi's father was arrested and executed in front of him by firing squad. A pretty brutal firing squad sequence. A pretty fucked up, brutal firing squad sequence. Uh, and, he, and he was he was identified as like a, 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 a traitor or a, a spy. spy and. Tsurugi tries to say, like, no, my daddy's not a spy. And they're like, shut up. Shut up, child. Shut up, uh, half-breed. <laughs> exactly. And uh, but and the last words that are spiraling through his mind when he thinks of his father are this uh, this horrible creed that his father imp imp impressed upon him. Don't trust anybody. You can only count on yourself. Train yourself, body and mind. Be stronger than anyone else. Don't let anybody get the better of you. Which... Kind of fully sums up Sarugi's character. Yeah. Uh, not only because he's, you know, a bastard, but also because, like, the the things that he said to the brother, he's like, "I, you make me sick. I can't stand people who don't keep their promises. There's, like... You're proven Papa right! Yeah, is like, there's a thing in there of, 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 you can't let anyone get the better of you. You can't let anyone... 
get you when when get take advantage of you. You have to be stronger than everyone else. You have to be the one who is taking advantage of everyone else. So when someone breaks a promise to him, it's like a it's like a a threat to his standing as the toughest guy in the world. When he was told, "Hey, we want you to go after one of the toughest karate men in the world, Master Kendo." He may not have taken the job, but he could not rest until he fought Master Kendo. Gotcha. Because he was told that there's a guy stronger than you, and he can't let that go. No. That's just a little knife in the back of his brain forever. So while I was watching this sequence, I was thinking, it wouldn't make sense for it to happen. Mm -hmm. But what if uh, Baby Magneto and Baby Tsurugi got together? Now I know Tsurugi's not a mutant that yeah, we know that we know of. Um, Although this this movie is could be interpreted as like Sabretooth the movie, like it sort of is, like, it sort of is. Uh, oh, a Logan style movie with Tsurugi would be great too. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, with an old Chiba. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, I'd buy it. I was there was a moment because like he's got this like fantastic seventies do yeah. on in this movie. I and like with the big. Like almost mutton choppy side sideburns, and I kept thinking like, I could see him as Wolverine. Yeah, like he's, he's like with Wolverine's like uh, like berserker rage that yeah. they always describe in the comics. But uh, I was I was hoping for a Magneto Baby Tsurugi team up where they're like, <laughs> I'm starting the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. I know yeah. you're not a mutant, but that we know of. I'm willing to make a case because we both have shared trauma. Both have shared trauma, and also you. Are an absolute madman. Yeah, <laughs> who can? Which also is, which is also the way that, by the way, Sonny Chiba described the character in the interview. He's yeah. like, "Sarugi's a uh, madman." <laughs> it's like, yeah, you get it. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but when we, <laughs> for whatever reason, the, the phrase "madman" gave me this strong mental image of. <laughs> Sonny Chiba like being invited into a room maybe by Magneto and he just like like it's a kitchen he just starts going through the cupboards and like eating food <laughs> just like tearing into cereal boxes and shoving cereal against his face <laughs> Like, like that's how out like, of control he like is. Like Cookie Monster, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not even getting in there. It's just sort of bouncing off and just going. And quick and Quicksilver looks at Magneto is like, "Is are you fucking kidding me? The one non mutant, and it's this guy." And Magneto's just like, "Yes." Yes. We're both war orphans, or as I call us, warphans. <laughs> and Quicksilver's just like, Dad, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, Sarugi's badass theme music kicks in, mm -hmm. and as he, like, he does more of his breathing exercises, <gasps> and, like, gets himself up, he's getting ready, uh, he's centering his power, He's summoning up every bit of tomato juice he still has in his system. And he clears those sinuses and just flies into battle. And uh, fights Kendo finally to a standstill. Before Kendo's like, okay, I get what you're about. What do you want? <laughs> and he's like, oh, Now that I, that's out of the way. He's like, oh, I, I want... Let's get down to brass tacks. And he's like, oh, uh, I want a job. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll protect your niece. Yeah, no, he's they, they cut to them having a more formal job interview. And, uh... What are your three biggest weaknesses? <laughs> I have no weaknesses. Oh, man. I wish... 
How many ping pong balls do you think could fill a city bus? <laughs> but yeah, he says he fills them in on all the stuff that with the mafia, offers his services to go kill the bad guys for them. Not enough to protect Sarai. You have to kill the people going after Sarai, or they will never stop coming after yeah. her. Uh, so because they can't, they won't, and they don't stop. Exactly. Uh, and so Sarugi, again, ha- knows the evil code of conduct mm-hmm. by heart. So he knows that vengeance is not enough of a reason to go after someone. You need money too. As one of as one of the greatest members of the evil Council of Doom, the Joker once said, mm-hmm. "If you're good at something, never do it for free." Yes. So he's going after the bad guys by protecting the thing that they want, Sarai. Sarai is, for some reason, not comfortable with having Sarugi around. Wonder why. I don't know. But she she refers to Maybe there's to him, an audio commentary that explains it. <laughs> she refers to him using some of the same terms we've used to describe him. She calls him a wild beast. <laughs> and uh, Sarugi is just like... And Sarugi does take this as a compliment. This is the moment we mentioned. He, mentions, he says to Kendo, I am worse than the villains. Because of that, I understand the way they think. Kendo says... You seem to have some rage issues. <laughs> I noticed it when we were fighting. Is it because your dad was a failure? <laughs> it's because your dad sucks? Is that is that the problem, Sarugi? Is it because your, your dad's a dumb piece of shit? You got shot? And Sarugi says, uh, he says, absolutely not. I am one man, my father another. My father is... My daddy issues have nothing to do with anything about me. Then he pulls out a, his father's skinned face and <laughs> just presses it to his own in a ritual he does for 15 minutes every day. Every Doesn't day. actually happen. I know that sounds like something that could possibly happen in this possibly. movie or in any of the movies we talk about. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't you to, actually happen. You have to be careful on this show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that doesn't actually happen. But uh, Kendo says, you know what? Not only do I trust you, Sarugi. I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> I not only trust you, Sarugi, as a fighter, but also as a man. And even as an audience member who loves this movie, I'm sitting there being like, I wouldn't. <laughs> That's a stupid thing to say yeah. to Sarugi, of all people. I mean, would you rather have him before you or again you? Uh, I, I think I'd, I'd rather have him before me yeah. than, than again me. I think, I think that's the right way to go. Uh, meanwhile... Mafia rep Mr. King, Stephen King. Yes, obviously. Obviously. Don King. <laughs> Both at the yep. same time, yes. Uh, Don King is on Stephen King's shoulders. <laughs> and they say their lines simultaneously. I wondered why Mr. King was so tall in yeah. this movie. It's because they're two. It's Don King and Stephen King in a big trench coat. And on top of them, Larry King. <laughs> on top of them, Larry King. And he has a copy of The Lion King balanced on his head. <laughs> and they're all eating King's Hawaiian rolls. He's reached out to Ding Sao, who is introduced... Looks like Christopher Walken in the movie Balls of Fury. I was going exactly like that. I was going to say, he's except for his hair, which is honestly Don King's hair. Yes. Yeah, he's got Don King's hair, but he's dressed like uh, Christopher Walken from Balls of Fury. Uh, and he is a crime boss from some town in China. What was it? Again? Kowloon. It's the the walled city. It's It does, from what I've heard, it's not like the best neighborhood. Okay, well, Ding Sao is the, the as he explains later, Ding Sao apparently means he is the throat slitter yes. of, 
Kowloon. of Kowloon. Uh, and so he's essentially the the crime boss. He even says to a cop in some scene, like, "I am, I am the only law. I am the in, law in Kowloon." Exactly. Uh, I ran for a throat slitter of our town here. Oh, did you? Yeah, I lost. Oh um, no, because of my criminal record. <laughs> That's ironic. You got to be squeaky clean to get that job. Like, got to be squeaky clean. It's, uh, no pun intended, cutthroat. Oh, no. Like, they really dig into your past. They really dig into your past. That's, uh, wow. Okay. Now we're introduced uh, to a few bizarre and tonally dissonant characters for this film. With yes. a, With some of my favorite exploitation movies, yes. there are insane moments that I forget. Mm-hmm. Like... The second time I watched Switchblade Sisters, I forgot that they go to meet uh, some Lady Black Panthers. Yes, that was wild. That was I, wild. Which, how can you forget that? Yeah. And now it, it's stuck in my mind because I've seen the movie three times at this point. Right. But I always forget about these characters. Even mm-hmm. on my third watch, I was like, oh yeah, there's a blind swordsman in this movie. <laughs> yeah, so Mr. King has and, gone... Or as I call him, Zatow Creepy. <laughs> Perfect, perfect. No no notes on that. Uh, Mr. King has gone to Ding Sao to get more assassins to help him with this situation. How does your assassin company run out of assassins? I mean, apparently Mr. Lau took them all to, to on that assault to Sarugi's apartment. Gotcha. But, uh, so they were looking for some better assassins, and they know that Ding Sao will have the chops for it. Mm-hmm. Ding Sao says not only will he bring his assassins, he's bringing himself. Because he's heard of Sarugi. Yeah. As we know, his legend is spread far and wide. He knows who Sarugi. Yeah, Pete and... Seeger made a folk song about Sarugi. <laughs> and Sarugi is a worthy opponent. So uh, Ding Sao brings his three assassins, the aforementioned Zato Creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also brings an albino knife thrower. That's right. And a, a hulking strongman. An invulnerable strongman. I always forget them. about the hulking strongman. Even though yeah. he has a great... He gets taken out in a great way. He has a great... He has one of the best... <laughs> Yeah, is one of the best deaths in this movie. Slight spoilers uh, to, to later on. The Hulk doesn't make it in this film. Uh, For how colorful these characters are, mm-hmm. they are dispatched with little fanfare. That's very true. That is, that is extremely true. In any other movie, these guys would be introduced towards the beginning. Mm-hmm. They'd have their own like B-plot. Yeah, And I will say, this is something that is, at least in the movies that you've shown me, and I have only seen two of the Street Fighter movies, Street Fighter and, and Sister, Sister Street, Street Fighter. Fighter. At least in those two movies, it is a consistent thing that, again, I, I, I made a passing reference to this. These movies feel more like classic 60s Marvel comics to me than most Marvel movies yeah. do, in a good way. Uh, we talked about like the, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie feeling like all of the worst elements, almost yes. pokey elements of the classic Stanley Fantastic Four comics. This feels more like like a like a really good early Marvel yeah. comic book. And one of the ways that that is is that they always have a bunch of interesting villains. Yes, especially in Sister Street Fighter. Especially where in she Street goes Fighter through like Two dozen people <laughs> with different styles and weapons. All the different styles and weapons. They 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 pull out an entire legion of dooms worth of bad guys for Sister Street Fighter. You also get a bit of that in the Return of the Street Fighter, where mm-hmm. he has they introduce a bunch of villains who use uh, traditional Japanese weaponry, right? And then he eventually fights all the people 
who are using those weapons. And you also mentioned in Street Fighter Three that there's a bad guy who's a mariachi man. Yeah, with a with a laser belt. With a laser belt. I mean, like you can't beat that. No, uh, that's pretty. Sarugi does. <laughs> Well, yeah, obviously, Sarugi beats beats him, but yeah. Uh, but uh, he also finds out that this, his town, Ding Sao's town, is where Junjo ended up. Yep. Junjo is very depressed. It's much like Casablanca, the way everyone just sort of ends up there. Everyone just sort of ends up there. Everyone goes to Ding Sao's. <laughs> Including, not only Junjo, but Junjo's sister, yeah. when she was sold into sex trafficking, ended up... As one of Ding Sao's sex slaves. It's like a, it's like Magnolia how much paths are crisscrossing. And because Ding Sao is a karate man, yes. he recognizes the karate man-ness in yes. Junjo and tries to recruit him as another one of his assassins. And He's as part like, of the sign-on bonus, you're like, you can have one of my... Uh, sex slaves. Sex slaves. And he's like, that's my sister. And Ding Sao's like, weird choice. <laughs> Whatever, dude. I whatever. I, I don't. I, I don't kink shame my men. <laughs> but, but he says, I know the thing. I've seen Pornhub. I know about <laughs> this sort of thing. We have chairs. She can get stuck in if that's part of it for you. But no. But he's like, oh no, it's my sister. And her and she cries when she sees him. And it's like our brother was killed by Sarugi. Not true. Not true. It was a karate accident. It was. Karate accident. More people are killed by karate accidents every year. Yeah, we really, really something that needs to be uh, better. Put bars over your windows if you're going to be doing flying kicks. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I have a pamphlet I'm going to hand out yeah. at the end of the episode. But uh, so yeah, so uh, Junjo agrees to work for Ding Sao in order to earn his sister's freedom and to avenge his brother by killing Sarugi. Yes. So Sarugi's sins are beginning to catch up with him. Mm -hmm. Back at the ranch, Mr. Bayan, an employee of Sarai's oil company, comes to escort her home. Uh, Mr. Bayan is the only Japanese actor I have ever seen who has what I can only describe as Pat Hingle energy. Who's Pat Hingle? The name sounds familiar. Yes, Pat Hingle is a character actor that uh, you've definitely seen a lot of. He was uh, Commissioner Gordon in the Tim Burton Batman movies. Okay. He's probably the thing most people know him from. Uh, he's also, he mainly is just, he embodies in, in my head that sort of character archetype, like the the opposing lawyer in My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. That sort of like, I may be just a small country town gentleman, but I can plainly see, like, that, that sort of, like, uh, sort of the same archetype as the mayor from Jaws, that sort of, like, gotcha. almost carnival huckster kind of American South archetype. That for some reason also exists in this Japanese actor, yeah, who's like absolutely giving that exact performance. They have Hicks everywhere. I guess they have Hicks every like polished Hicks though. It's yeah. it's it's, cl- it's like a overweight man with the accent it's like Papio Daniels of and, Scarlett uh, O'Hara. It's like Scarlett O'Hara's accent, but on a on a heavy set middle aged man is what the archetype is. But yeah, and so he, it's, it's it was very strange for me to watch. But he's he's there, and he he says, "I say, I say, I say, uh, Sarai, we gotta we gotta go." Uh, and they uh, so Sarai and two of Kendo's students come with as they're gonna drive to this other. Where is she even going? I don't know. I'm not actually sure know. where they're trying to get her to. The plot in this movie is not... That's not what I come there for. No, that's not what we come for in this movie. Kendo sends two of his students to protect Sarai, and Sarugi 
and uh, Rakuda. Rakuda are also following behind in their car. Through some clever traffic maneuvering, uh, they're able to get Sarugi and Rakuda's car separated from the rest of the convoy, mm-hmm. and they are grabbed by a tractor with a gigantic fucking claw yeah. that just snags their car and yeets it off a fucking bridge. Now, here, I I think it would have been a bold choice to have Tsurugi fight the crane, like the crane itself, like just, just like fucking super punch it out oh of commission. Oh my god. That... If this movie had had the Street Fighter sequel it should have had, instead of the Street Fighter sequel it did have, that would have been in that version of the sequel. (laughs) So it would be like Die Hard where it becomes more and more of a superhero. More absurd as it goes on. Like, this movie's already pretty fucking absurd. Yeah. But, like, just make it more. Make it it more silly. But, yeah. But instead, Surugis and Rakuda are are inside their car, thrown off this bridge. They land in a bit of a mud puddle. Uh, on and uh, we see Sarugi doing some sort of breathing technique, some sort of technique right before they're tossed. So we know that he's done something. Yeah. And we also know that he's the lead. If you so... breathe right, car accidents won't hurt you. That's, yeah, yeah, you know, I've I've seen a bit of Naruto. I'm pretty sure that was something that happened in that show. Yeah, there's a uh, lot of cars in Naruto. A lot of cars in Naruto, right? Karuto, that's what the people call it. <laughs> so many cars in Naruto, they call it Karuto. Uh, but yeah, so... Karuto, more like car auto. <laughs> I'm taking away points for that okay. one. <laughs> but yeah, so some bad guys, some some slick... And this is a fight with just two people. This is a fight like with we said, two people. The scope does not always increase. Yes. But here... This is one of, this is one of the most influential moments... In the movie. This is one of the moments that has really, like, cemented these two slick actors. Fuck Citizen Kane. Yes. And everything that did for filmmaking. Yes, literally. This is the most innovative thing I've ever seen in film. This, you might be right. Like, this is, this is insane what just happened. And but these these two slick fuckers in these, in these nice suits uh, come up with their little handguns to check the bodies of Saruga and Rakuta. And uh, Sarugi... Uh, knocks the guns out of their hands and starts fighting with them, uh, Batman style in the mud pits, uh, and just going at it. He breaks a man's arm with one punch, mm-hmm. which is already sick as hell, and then twists a guy around so the top of his head is facing him and delivers another one of his patented soul punches right to the top of his head. It is so powerful that the camera cuts to a three, to a X-ray perspective, showing yes. the man's skeleton and showing Sarugi's hand denting the fuck out of a rubber denting skull. into the top of this man's fucking skull. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing, and it's so simple. It's so fucking simple. They got a rubber skull. They made it into a negative. They they, they made it a negative. They negative. And they just footage. filmed. Yeah. Hopefully, Shinichi Chiba. Punching that rubber skull, yeah, uh, to make it's, a dent. It's amazing. It. It's it is fucking amazing. And, and then the dude thinking, spits out a bunch of blood. And if you're thinking, oh, that's not that impressive. I've seen Mortal Kombat. This is where they got that fucking shit from. Yeah, like this is where that comes from. The makers of Mortal Kombat 
famously were trying to make Jean-Claude Van Damme the video game. That was their original idea. But uh, the... The, the, the I- more modern ones that have the X-ray. Well, even when they were making the initial one, when they were thinking about, like... Because Jean-Claude Van Damme, I think, uh, X noped out of the project pretty early on. A lot of the stuff that they did with, all, like, all that horrendous gore, the blood yeah. splatter everywhere in that game, the, the, the gnarly kills... That shit came from this, and as well, the X-Ray kills yeah. that uh, I think they were trying to do in that early game and only really became a thing more recently. I'm not a big fighting game guy, uh, uh, so... Yeah, that was based off of this, and then uh, I guess Street Fighter got the name in the divorce, but you know, <laughs> they, they like without this movie, you do not have Mortal Kombat, you do not have Street Fighter... And this one scene is a particular note for it, but it is so... Even without that connection, like, this scene just fucking It's rocks. amazing. It's amazing, and again, it's so simple. Mm-hmm. But it just... What an excellent way to just get to sh- across the sheer brutality and intense strength of a man. like To show how devastating Sarugi really is. And again... In no world is that any type of a fair or good hit. Like no. <laughs> Bruce Lee would never do that to somebody because Bruce Lee always had to be the good guy. Like yeah, he Bruce, didn't fight dirty. You know what a better uh, comparison between um, Sarugi and an American action hero is? Bruce Lee is John Wayne. Like okay. he's, he's the yeah. stand-up Superman sort of like uh, lawful good character. Sarugi is Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Like he's he's superhumanly badass. There's going to be a couple scenes in the movie where he gets really fucked up, yeah. but like most of the time, he's just gonna come just in. Just a mythical dude. Just a mythical fucking dude. Aim for the heart, Ramon. Otherwise, you'll never stop me. I can absolutely hear Sarugi yeah. saying that. Save <laughs> for the heart. Uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, so that was one of the coolest things that you will ever see in any movie that just happened. Yeah, but Raku. Rakuta points out uh, that even though they've survived, Sarai is too far away by now. Uh, she's she's long gone. But Sarugi says they don't need to know where their charge is. They know where their enemies are. <laughs> Once again, not about actually protecting this woman. No. <laughs> just finding an excuse to fuck more people up. He... <laughs> He's such a mercenary fuck, and yes. I love it. I love that consistency yeah. to his character. The Again, the movie never wants you to think that this character... Is noble. Is noble. Is going to guy. become a good person. He's a bad person, and the movie fully acknowledges that. But you have to admit, they picked that route, and they stuck to it like Absolutely. Blue. And I am legitimately fucking impressed, and legitimately like... I don't know, just like, I, I love that. No, I it's amazing. That. But yeah, so they, they head right to Mutaguchi's place uh, and go right in, start busting heads. Uh, Mutaguchi has left the strong man there, the the Hulk, to fight off uh, Sarugi. There, this is an incredible fight where Sarugi immediately clocks that this guy is too strong for him. Yeah. He is going to get destroyed if he lets this guy put any kind of, of lay any kind of hands on him. This, this guy is our movie's bolo. Yes. No, exactly. In fact... Oh man, now I want to see Sonny Chiba versus Bolo. Yeah, no, who doesn't? Fucking what right-thinking person doesn't? <laughs> what right-thinking person wouldn't want that? But yeah, so in this, you had one wish. <laughs> 
once again we get to see uh Sonny Chiba's incredible acrobatic skills yes. might be his most impressive uh, skill set, where he's just doing these incredible like slides and flips around these guys' moves. Again, some stuff I've never seen before in any other movie, until finally he thinks of the words of that ancient martial artist Dwight Schrute. The eyes are the groin of the head. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he fucking stooges. Sucking Mo Howard right in the fucking eye, but not, but doesn't stop at the eye, goes through, through the, the eye. eye. This is an actual thing I was taught in martial arts. Do not aim for the thing you're hitting, aim past the thing you're hitting. And he goes past to the eyes, right into the fucking skull, in a move that Sonny Chiba insisted in the interview he could actually do, <laughs> but wouldn't for obvious reasons. <laughs> Did did he just bring that up out of nowhere and he's like, yes. by the way, when I poked that guy's eyes out and stuck my fingers in his brain, Mul I can do that. Multiple times throughout the interview, he's like, you know, you can really squish a man's eyes with your fingers. That's a real thing you can do. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I've rubbed my own eyes. I know how fragile these little, these stupid little grapes in my head are. Like... <laughs> And he's like, but you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to aim for the vital areas That's not like what karate's that. about. He's like, that's not what karate's about. That's the way ninjas fight, and ninjas are cowards. Does <laughs> he say that? He says that. Yo. Here's what I'm realizing. <laughs> Chiba-san is 100% as insane as Sarugi, just in a different way. Yo, I need to check out more interviews with... With Chiba because he sounds like a fucking insane person. <laughs> yeah, I think that's accurate. He's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's very accurate. But yeah, so he yeah, he absolutely gores this man in the eyeballs with his fingernails. And again, it's a cheap hit. It's a fucking... Absolutely. It's a, as Sonny Chiba said, it's a cheap hit. It's a cowardly hit. Like, he's like... You even see him. Like, he throws a couple of kicks and he... You can see, the, like, the wheels turning in the character's head. Again, this is a good movie. It's not just a good action yeah. movie. You can see the wheels turning in his head where he's like, okay, I kick him in the stomach. Nothing. I kick him in the head. Nothing. What's left? Eyes. Like right in the eyes, like, and he can't go for below the belt because we have to save that for later. We have to save that. Oh God, we have, <laughs> we have to save that for later. But yeah, so he uh, he kills this guy. There's this great acting bit where uh, Sarugi is just looking at his two fingers, just absolutely drenched in eye blood. <laughs> and then, like, as Rakuda's talking to him, he just absentmindedly grabs Rakuda's shirt and oh, yeah, wipes his fingers off. off. On Rakuda's shirt. But Rakuda's freaking out. Yeah. As anyone would, having watched what just occurred <laughs> in front of him. But you think he'd be him. used to it by now. You would think, you especially... You think this would be, like, every fucking day for him. I'm sad, if there's one note I have for this movie, it's that I'm sad that Rakuda only got to kick ass in that one scene in the yeah. beginning. Yeah. I, I wish he had gotten more chances. I wish but... we could have seen, like... Like, obviously he's not going to be as good as Sarugi. No. But, like, just like, like he did with the cops. Just sort of, like, hopping around and beating him. Like, staying out of the way and, like, just yeah. knocking people's heads together. That would be great. Also, I want to I wanna <laughs> briefly touch on... What is amazing about this movie in terms of the fight sequences is personally how I judge one of the things I judge a fight sequence on yeah. is how many hits do we get before there's a cut? The more hits you have, 
the more complex that scene is, mm. the harder it is to do. Mm-hmm. And granted, just because something is technically hard does not make it good, but it right. damn sure makes it impressive. Yes. There are great sequences in this where Chiba is getting off combos. Mm-hmm. He's just hitting, 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 hitting. Yeah. And then it cuts and you get more sequences. And it's, Again, I it's think, fucking wonderful. I think we were a little bit hard when we first watched this movie together because, like... I don't want to say sloppy. That's not the right word. It's there's there's a messiness You're, to the style of the fighting in form. this movie. To his form, but like, I think the fighting in this movie is having watched it again for this show, legitimately just incredible. Like the it actual is, no, it's the no. actual skill on display is yeah, fucking his, awesome. His form aside, the skill yeah. and the the editing choices are. Amazing, and even the form is is a is, character choice. Is more of a character choice than anything because he, again, he's he's playing a scrappy dude. He's playing yeah, he's a playing street. scrappy dude. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Tsurugi power. Apparently, Scooby should never have made Scrappy run from those monsters because Scrappy could have fucking ended them. Like the episodes that no wonder the episodes quickly went to fifth like two minutes in length when Scrappy became one of the main cast members. The reason why 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo only had Daphne was... Scrappy was in that, right? Scrappy was in that, yeah. And it was Daphne... It was Daphne, it was Scrappy, it was Scooby, it was Shaggy, and it was uh, uh, Flim Flam. Flim Flam, yes. Yeah. And Vincent Price Ghost. And Vincent Price. But the reason why Fred wasn't in that movie is because yeah. Scrappy-Doo ripped his dick off. <laughs> Spoilers. There's a little VH1 <laughs> behind the music for you. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, uh, Sarugi gets to the so Rakuta goes back to start the car so they can get mm-hmm. out of there. Uh, Sarugi go gets to the top of the tower and comes face to face with Junjo and his sister. By the way, even though these characters are mortal enemies in the movie, uh, if there was one positive thing. That Sony Chiba could say about the making of this movie, it was working with the actor who played Jinjo. Oh yeah, because did they become lifelong friends. <clears throat> Apparently they did. Wonderful. Apparently they did. Uh, the actor who played Jinjo was also a martial artist, and apparently, even though, uh, as we said, Sony Chiba was no slouch when it came to martial arts. Yep. Uh, he saw the guy playing Jinjo do some stuff he had never seen. It was like, could you teach me that? Nice. So the guy actually would teach Sony Chiba stuff on the set and they would work out together for he's years he's the afterwards. barber's barber he's the barber's barber and he they would work out together for years afterwards uh but yeah Keep so talking okay uh, i'm gonna run to the bathroom gotcha <clears throat> i'll wait for your footsteps to disappear a little bit your pitter patter of your little feet <clears throat> Jinjo admits that Sarai isn't there. She's already been taken to Mudaguchi's, Mudaguchi's villa in Izu. But while Sarugi is obsessed with winning at everything, he also realizes that this fight that he's about to have with these two martial artists that want to kill him is a distraction. So he launches himself out of the window, breaks the window just like, just like Junjo's brother did. And uh, lands on top of Rakuta's car, which in this case is like a big truck with a big flatbed in the back. He lands on the flatbed back of the, of the truck. And they head for that villa in Izu uh, to find a Sarai. 
Uh, meanwhile, we get a brief scene, which I guess must have happened earlier, maybe, I don't know, where uh, Sarai's two bodyguards uh, fought bravely to save uh, Sarai from being kidnapped. Mr. Bayan has betrayed them, and they are killed gruesomely by the blind swordsman and the albino knife thrower. Mm-hmm. Is albino an okay term? Can I don't say albino. I think it's a medical term. I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, if if that is an offensive term, I apologize. It's it's said in good faith. I only mean to describe the character. But uh, if it is an offensive term, I do apologize. And uh, Brad's looking it up now, so we'll person with albinism. Person with albinism is that better? Okay, that's to most in the albinism community. The term person with albinism will always be kinder gentler less shocking term okay well uh we'll leave this part in that we that we look sure up and we'll just uh start calling him a person with albinism a knife a knife we can just call albinism. knife man knife man okay we'll call him knife man from now on sarugi and rakuta arrive just as sarai's they're they're making a water entrance making a water entrance and sarai's about to be assaulted by bondo once again by bondo bondo is in a sharp blue suit that i really yes. liked it is a nice blue suit. It's great. <laughs> it is a nice blue suit. I just wanted to point that out. Like taking it's... off to assault this woman, and uh... Uh, but sir, but so this uncomfortable scene is ended when Sarugi bursts in he, through the window. He, I guess throws a grappling hook up and and yep. scales up the the cliff face. Yep, bursts in through the window and straight up rips out, rips off Bondo's ding dong. I'm just gonna let that hang in the air for a second. Yeah, sure. <laughs> In a movie where you just saw an x-ray punch, <laughs> it's amazing that there's still things that could shock you. Right, yeah, but like... But straight up just ripping a man's ding-dong off. There are definitely plenty of the movies... The dude has got no mercy! No mercy! There are definitely movies where I've heard people threaten that. Yeah. There are definitely movies where I've heard people allude to that happening. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen a movie where he literally just reaches in viscerally grabs a man's dick and balls and just like rips it off we don't see the dick and balls we see like see a bloody mess of boxer shorts bloody mess of his boxer shorts but that's enough yeah like i feel like i've seen movies where dicks have gotten ripped off but mm -hmm. i cannot recall what they are off the top of my head but this is my favorite yeah no i think this this honestly this tops the scene in RoboCop where he shoots the guy in the dick. I don't know if it quite tops the scene in our RoboCop, our RoboCop remake, remake where he shoots a million guys in the dick. No, it does not. <laughs> but it comes close. Um, RoboCop never made physical contact with the dick. No. Uh, <laughs> no, and that's the big problem with RoboCop. <laughs> is RoboCop, RoboCop so never homophobic. touches a penis. <laughs> he never touches a penis. Never. He could even touch his own penis. Never touch his own penis. We don't know uh, if Murphy still has a penis. <laughs> and all during RoboCop, I'm like, does that man have a dick? Tell us if RoboCop has a dick. And it's Paul Verhoeven. You it's know, Paul Verhoeven. You know he knows. You know he knows. You know that was in the movie Bible. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Sarai... See, is so upset, and she seems to want to kiss Sarugi, but either through guilt over her current situation or because it's just not as fun when it's offered freely to yeah. him, Sarugi refuses and just helps her get to Rakuta's boat and tells them, "Hey, get to get get downstream. I'm gonna take care of this." And the and all the 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 henchmen come barreling down at him, and he just launches into another fight scene mm-hmm. immediately. 
he, of course, you know, beaten everybody senseless as usual. Sarugi is confronted by Ding Sao himself. Uh, he explains his name, as we mentioned before. And he has he has a nice, a very pretty looking blade and a awesome, sheath. Awesome blade. That he's like, I brought this. It was my carry-on on the plane, but you know what? <laughs> it's like, this is my throat slitten, slitten braid, blade. blade. This is my throat slitten blade. But he just tosses it away. Yeah. He, he literally tosses it away. He's like, Sarugi... You're worth fighting with my bare hands. And he goes in... With my mitts. With my mitts. Put up your dukes. And they go in to fight. And the two of them are very much equally matched. Yes. They keep getting each other in these holds. They're like doing that sort of like stand-up wrestling bit, which is when everyone checks out of the UFC fight. Yep. Which uh, seems to be most of UFC from what I've seen. It is most of UFC, yeah. Res- wrestling, real wrestling, like real wrestling... Kind of boring to watch, unfortunately. Yeah. Especially if you don't know like the technique being used. They're they're getting into it, and uh, Ding Sao at one point has a punch that's so powerful it just misses Sarugi and shatters a rock behind him. Mm-hmm. Pretty great. Uh, so again, fighting a tractor with a giant metal claw, <laughs> not out of the realm of possibility for this franchise. Exactly. Uh, but they're too evenly matched, and their fight is interrupted by Yang, who says, "Look, Ding Sao." If you win, he's dead. We need to interrogate him to find out where Sarai is. So they strap Sarugi to a rock, to a tree and start torturing him. And around about here, we get the most beautiful shot of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, a movie that should not have beautiful shots. But you wouldn't expect we it. get this sort of distant shot of the cliff face. The tree is right at the edge of a cliff. It has these beautiful fall colors. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's this nice <laughs> picture of him tied to a tree mm-hmm. it's so gorgeous it's something right out of the tree of life <laughs> yeah sure i've never seen tree of life <laughs> i don't know it's supposed to have very beautiful photography of trees and okay uh i imagine i imagine there's someone tied to a tree getting tortured in that movie i imagine i, I i've never seen a well i have seen one what's that director's name terrence uh, terrence malick terrence malick i've seen one terrence malick movie which would you see would you badlands ah. uh, his first I've seen the... Which is violent, so I assume all his movies are violent, Mm -hmm. and all his movies, aside from Badlands, have ding-dongs getting ripped off. (laughs) I've seen the, I think it was called The Red Line or something like that. The Thin Red Line. The Thin Red Line, and uh, that also involved violence, so I imagine that you are correct. Was... Did did not involve a dick getting ripped off, though. No one ripped off Tim Blake Nelson's dick? No one ripped off Tim Blake Nelson's dick, nor George, George Clooney's dick for the brief moment he was on screen, from which he was told he was the lead of the movie. Uh, <laughs> just like Casino Royale. Yeah, just like Casino Royale in Thin Red Line in, in most Terrence Malick movies. A whole bunch of celebrities are in there because they were told by Terrence Malick that they were the lead of the film. He shoots two hours of footage with them and then cuts all of it out of his film. It's a common thing that Terrence Malick has done to a lot of actors and it's very funny. Um, it's like a prank show. <laughs> thinks they're getting a great opportunity to work with director Terrence Malick this week. Oh, shit. <laughs> I guess that's This sucks. week, the prank's on George Clooney. <laughs> Normally a prankster on set. We'll see how he likes it. <laughs> uh, okay, so Rugi's being tortured, but will not talk, because again, he's an absolute madman. Yes. Uh, but Rakuda uh, walks into the middle of the scene. He, he was off with Sarai. They realize that uh, Sarugi's been gone for a while, so he comes back. He sees him and is like, "Oh no, darling, my my darling, you can't you can't die." Uh, at this point, uh, Yang uh, Yang is, is playing you, is Russian roulette, playing Russian roulette with 
Sarugi's with Sarugi's head, which is great. It is great. Um, and she's using that as an impetus for Rakuda to spill the beans. Yep, before we reach the chamber that actually does have the bullet. But Rakuda, and Sarugi's going, don't tell her anything. Don't tell her anything. Sarugi's. Uh, but Rakuda says, uh, "Sorry, I was laughing at something that happens way later." Uh, Rakuda finally does reveal where mm. Sarai is to Sarugi's horror. There's, she's on Dantooine. She's on Dantooine. See, Lord Vader, she can't be reasonable. Uh, Rakuta spills the beans, and Ding Sao is like, "Okay, can I fight him to the death now? God." <laughs> 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 like a child on a road trip. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so they're like, fine, whatever. And he uses his ornamental blade to chop the, the ropes off of off of uh, Sarugi. But Sarugi, I guess, was tied in a more precarious situation than they thought because he immediately falls off the tree. And here we get the dummy. And The great, oh, yeah. the great Chiba dummy. Yeah, that's... this is where the dummy is. <laughs> This scene is edited well. I will say that it is. They it's cut just between a super fake dummy. They cut between the dummy and close-up green screen footage of Sonny Chiba pretending to be falling uh, pretty well. But it is a very. It's like it's like the dummies in Temple of Doom. It's just sure. so. It's just without the the leg kicking mechanic. It's just so obvious, and uh, they just fall fall down the cliff into the water. Uh, Rakuta finds... Did you have something you wanted to say? No. Okay. Rakuta finds Sarugi's body, attempts to take care of him. Sarugi's alive, of course. Mm-hmm. You can't kill a man like Sarugi. Nope. Uh, but he feels betrayed. Uh, Rakuta's like, I didn't want you to die. And Sarugi... This is the thing I was laughing at earlier. Sarugi says, do you think that would have killed me or something like that? It was or like, like, I always have a plan or... No, no, but he's literally like... That that there's they couldn't have killed me or something like like something like that. We're implying that bullet to the face is not enough to kill Sarugi, which I fully believe. I believe it too. <laughs> but yeah, so so uh, Sarugi says, Rakuta, you go back to Tokyo alone. We're Splitsville, baby. We're Splitsville, baby. Rakuta can't bear the thought of being apart from his one true love. He says, if they're no longer partners, let Rakuta be Sarugi's slave. And he will. He says, I belong to you, Sarugi. But Sarugi only tells Rakuta that he's not cut out for their line of work. And walks away. Again, lovers will not hear anything yeah. <laughs> uh, against that. But uh, Sarai uh, has been brought to the docks. Sarugi's not far behind. And is met by Zatow Creepy. Zatow Creepy, yes. And also uh, Knife Man's there as well. Uh, he comes in a bit later, doesn't he? He is there briefly during the scene. I think he, I think he leaves Zadok Creepy okay. behind and follows them because I think he's actually later on on the boat. But Zadok Creepy comes in mm-hmm. and he has his blade, and yes. through he's blocking it with his gauntlets. It's just fucking awesome. That's so great. It's That's so great. cool. And then in comes Common Rider. <laughs> yeah, Sarugi so and the and, and Zadok Creepy are a bit too. Uh, they're 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 a bit too evenly matched. So yeah, in comes a motorcycle rider and a motorcycle helmet, uh, distracting the blind swordsman. Uh, Zato creepy, tired of this shit, so he imme- almost immediately just like murders the biker dude. Uh, just slashes him across the chest, which gives 
uh, Sarugi the opening he needs to break that sword in half mm-hmm. and murk, murk this dude. Now I want to I want to point this out in a movie where people are taking a lot of hits. Mm-hmm. Whoever the stunt man on this bike is. After he gets slashed, he drives sort of into a corner of a wall. Yes. And this stunt man takes a fucking hit. That's yes. This stunt man ta- <laughs> like the most impressive, like not the most impressive punch in the movie or mm-hmm. attack in the movie, but the most impressive hit that I saw was this poor man slamming into the corner of this building. That's a very good point. Yeah, no, that's uh, and uh, here's where Sarugi delivers a super chop. Yes, just like a karate chop right to the middle of this guy's head. We do not get an x-ray this time, but we can imagine it. Mm-hmm. We, we've seen it now. Uh, and yeah, the, the top of this guy's head explodes into a fountain of blood. Beautiful. Just yep. beautiful. Uh, should have sent a poet. Um, <laughs> so uh, Tsurugi unmasks the rider. And who should it be but Rakuda? It's Rakuda. Rakuda it's came Rakuda. back. To protect him, even after the cruel things he said to him, and and s- anyone with any genre savvy knew that Mister Comedy Comedic Sidekick was going to get murked. Well, yeah, yeah. And Rakuda begs Sarugi for his forgiveness before before dying. Sarugi, motherfucking Sarugi, cries a single tear. Just one. That's all the man will get from him. He's like cry baby. <laughs> He's like Sarugi. Is crybaby. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if his dad was a serial killer, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. <laughs> My mom couldn't even read. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I buy that as, as his backstory. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, uh, absolutely he... insane moment for, yeah. like, uh, the baddest dude on the planet, but still... And I wrote again, once again, death has taken the most important man in his life. And he was powerless to stop it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he could have just not gotten involved with all of this. <laughs> but, but it was him, it was his cruelty in driving away Rakuda at that moment that drove Rakuda to sacrifice his life for him. So in the end, it's his fault. Yes, true. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so not only was he powerless to stop it, he actively caused this. But yeah, Rakuda made his own choices. <laughs> yes, that is true. But I'm sure that's not how Sarugi sees it. No, I'm sure he has a lot of inner guilt. This is a well-written character piece. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Look, Paul I watch, Thomas Anderson's The Street Fighter. I watch. I watch this movie for the deep introspective yeah. character shit. The X-ray punches are just icing on the cake. <laughs> Stop it with all this fighting and examine this man. <laughs> Uh, so ironically, Sarai is being held hostage on a ship named after her. Yeah. It's the Sarai, uh, an oil ship, uh, working for her company, probably named by her dad. Probably. Uh, she realizes that the man behind this plot is a man we have not mentioned up till now, because it wasn't important. Mr. Uh, Jadot. Mr. Jadot, who uh, she kept mentioning is like, oh, Mr. Jadot will take care of everything. Mr. Jadot is fine. Mr. Jadot was a friend of my dad's. Surprise. Mr. Jadot's a dick. (laughs) Mr. Jadot is a man who she trusted her whole life, uh, but he turns out not only is he behind all the evil shit that's happened in this movie, he's also the man who orchestrated the murder of her father, and to top it all off, he looks like a young Peter Stormare, so you know he's evil. Yes. Yeah. Apologies to Peter Stormare. Uh, Big fan of the show. Big fan of the show, Peter Stormare. Shout out to Peter Stormare. Ding Sao has decided... (laughs) He just casually mentions this to Jinjo, (laughs) because they've they've realized that... uh, 
that Sarugi's still alive at this point. He says, by the way, whenever you and Sarugi have your mat, your death match, which I know is coming, because he's as genre savvy as the rest of us, mm-hmm. he's like, whenever you have this match, I've decided that I'm going to retire from being Ding Sao, and I want whoever wins your fight to take over for me. Which that's, is a... that's sweet. That's very sweet. <laughs> that's very sweet, but also... That's like giving someone a pet as a gift. Like, it's like, <laughs> hey, here's all this responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's exactly what it is. And also, we don't know what if Sarugi wants this. No. Right. Like, it doesn't... We only spent, like, a couple of minutes in Dingsao's territory. It didn't look great. Again, I've, I've not heard spectacular things about Kowloon, what little I've heard of it. Sure. But uh, I mean, in this universe, it's probably they're probably like literal monsters in the streets. It's no probably one- <laughs> it's probably the fucking Madripoor. <laughs> exactly. Of, uh... Exactly. You get a lot of X Men references in this episode. Yeah. Well. Uh, and thus begins one, one of, of the greatest, greatest action scenes. One of the greatest action climax. I was thinking about it. I can't think of a better ending to an action movie like there are very there are a lot of great action openings i can think of i can't think of as many great action closers and a lot of good mid pieces like yeah uh, uh the catacomb fight in john wick 2 is probably oh, yeah. one Absolutely. of the highlights of that movie right um but the ending fight scenes of john wick are never the ones that anyone remembers no which is like the biggest flaw in that franchise but like and and that kind of goes for a lot of action movies a lot of action movies like have sort of front load the really really awesome shit all of john McClane's coolest gunfights happen in the yeah. beginning and middle of that movie and again this is and then the ending for the scene. time. This is so incredible. Like this, it feels like fucking John Wick. Like you said, it feels like feels like something from John Wick or The Raid. Like it's it's so the editing is so smooth. Mm-hmm. The sequences are so long, mm-hmm. and it's just it's at least five minutes long. I'd say of just Sarugi nonstop kicking people's asses. And when we say the sequences, we're we're talking about those unbroken shots yes. full of hits. We're not talking about like. Each fight with each person on the ship is really long. In fact, no, it's, it's honestly very short. This is like one of those sequences where John Wick is going through a crowd of people and exactly. just murking folks. And uh, yeah, so he arrives on the ship somehow. Uh, they do show how it is. I just don't remember how he did it. But he gets on the ship and he just goes through and he just starts killing man after man after man. A storm starts brewing outside, masking the sound of his gazillion murders <laughs> uh, so that the the bad guys in, in further on the ship can't hear it. Uh, just a couple of highlights, because again, we're not going to spend a lot of time no. describing the whole thing. A couple of highlights. Punches a guy so hard he pukes to death. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> like, and I'm not even talking like spitting up blood. We have a lot of that in this scene and the rest yeah. of the movie. I'm talking like... Like milky corn filled like, like puke, egg yolky, yeah, like like disgusting shit, and yeah. he just punches a man so hard he pukes to death. Uh, in one of the coolest sequences, someone knocks him off of a stairway. He's hanging on for dear life. He reaches up with his legs, snags the guy, and throws him off the 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 walkway so hard the guy hits the ground face first. And shoots blood fucking everywhere mm. upon landing. Just breaks open like a like Brad said earlier, like a fucking tomato. K- kills Yang again. Doesn't matter that she's a woman or that she's not a martial artist. Just nope. absolutely bodies her. 
It's again with Japanese Pat Hingle. Doesn't matter that he's not a martial artist. <laughs> Fucking brutalized. At this point, I fully believe that Tsuru, if like he just came across Sarai, would have just like snapped her neck. <laughs> Like he's he's in he's in berserker mode. He's, he's just killing everything in front of him. Yeah, in D and D terms, he's gone into a rage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> only in D and D could it be described as that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and he's 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 oh, the remaining bad guys retreat into Ding Sao's cabin, and Ding and they're like, oh no, Sarugi's on the ship, and Ding Sao literally gets up and says, finally, <laughs> Jesus, it's been ninety minutes. <laughs> I love. We talk about we talked in off air how much we love that one of the main villains in John Wick three is a massive John Wick fanboy. Yes, Ding Sao is a huge Sarugi fanboy, <laughs> and it gives me life. Yes, it's so good. Ding Sao challenges Sarugi to a duel, not with himself, but with Junjo because with he's been waiting. Champion. He's been waiting for this, uh, and he promised. He literally in the same room in the same minute turns to his associates. And says, uh, I will kill Sarugi if he wins. Then turns back to Sarugi and says out loud in the same tone of voice, does not whisper, does not hide this at all, says, don't worry, Sarugi, I'll let Sarai go if you win. <laughs> well, he's not saying he won't kill him. He's just saying he'll let true. Sarai go. That's very true. But it does seem to be counter to what the rest of his gang would want in this instance. Point is, Ding Sao has fully decided that he does not care whether yeah. his side wins or loses. He is absolutely in this for the hot Tsurugi on Jinjo action that he's about to get. Which, you know, this... Ding Sao speaks for us all, is what I'm saying. What I'm <laughs> saying is this makes people with the official position of throat cutter look bad. <laughs> And, like, they lack integrity. Right, Like, they're right. always making bunko deals, always mm-hmm. stabbing people in the back, when what they're doing is cutting throats. <laughs> it takes a lot of work and a lot of, and, and, and a very clean background, as, yes. as you found out, to become a throat slutter. And it's, it's throat slutter, yeah. <laughs> throat. I know what kind of movies you like to watch. <laughs> throat slitter, and this movie is just shitting all over it. It's disgusting, It frankly. is. It's really... Frankly. That's what it got the X rating for, is this defamation. <laughs> defamation of throat slitters. Uh, but yeah, uh, Sarugi and Junjo head out into the storm. Yep. Just like... And I believe this is the scene that we see in true romance. That makes sense. This is a very... This is a very... Uh, classic sort of uh, scene. Like, I, I that famous scene in, in one of the uh, Kira, Akira Kurosawa movies where it's like the two samurai swordsmen in the in the field of wheat that's just like blowing yep. everywhere. The, the storm is is reflecting the, the rage in their hearts. Uh, the mafia guys are not happy about this taking place <laughs> for some reason. Hey, this isn't how we do a business. <laughs> uh, they're not happy about this arrangement. And uh, as as uh, Sarugi and, and Jinjo are going at it, they're having their fight. One of them is like, you know what? Fuck this shit. And just decides to shoot Sarugi. Yeah. He only manages to shoot Sarugi in the leg, but uh, Ding Sao will not have this kind of disrespect t- taking place. So he takes out his throat slit and sword and kills all of his own guys that are yeah. left. <laughs> see, that's the kind of integrity I like to see. Right. <laughs> so it's, I guess he's more of like a gray character he's like than a, a gray... black and white character. Okay, you know In what? In terms of representation of throat slitters. You know what? At the end of the day, this movie 
It's not so bad when it comes to representing throat very singers, nuanced. I guess. It's very, very nuanced. nuanced because there very are bad nuanced. ones out there. A couple of bad apples. A couple of bad apples. A couple of bad apples. Yeah. But yeah, Junjo's sister, turns out, is also on the ship somehow. Well, uh, you lose her once, you don't want to lose her again. Right, yeah. He's been keeping her in his back pocket. Uh, but she comes out of nowhere. She has a sigh that they were using early, in an earlier scene. And this again, bugs as you. this bugs me because sighs are defensive weapons. Right. They are meant to counter swords. Right. The tip is usually blunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, in this one, they're basically using it as a knife, which is what most movies tend yes. to use it as. Uh, oh, well. But oh, yeah. well. But uh, he, she uh, tosses her sigh to her brother and uh, gets Sarugi in a hold that he can't seem to get out of. She she grabs him and she holds him tight. And she's saying, she yells at her brother to stab them both through. And Junjo, after a little bit of hesitation, does so, driving uh, the sigh through his sister's back and into Sarugi, causing Sarugo to make his most intense duck face yet. Yes. I don't think we mentioned that yet. Whenever Sarugi is in a fight scene, he's making these incredible duck faces. He has like a rubber Jim Carrey face yeah. that's constantly mugging yeah. and constantly contorting, and it's insane that yeah. it works. It's, again, something like that. I think that's why I compared him to Bruce Campbell, because he's got like that gigantic chin, yeah. but he's also got the rubber face thing going. Uh, but uh, So, Sarugi is now... He, he didn't get fully stabbed to death. No, he's he, still shambling. Because, you know, sighs are pretty short. But he's still he's still shambling along. He's, he's got a bloody hole in his chest. He's got a bloody hole in his leg. He's twitching and convulsing. He falls down on the ground. He's He does look like he's really dying. Uh, and Junjo's about to go in and deliver the final blow and take out Surugi once and for all. But at the last minute, Surugi reaches up. And literally, with his bare hands, tears out Junjo's throat. Fuck you, Roadhouse. <laughs> Does that happen in Roadhouse? Yeah. Oh, man. I need to see Roadhouse one of these days. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, and just fucking rips Junjo's throat clear out with his bare hands. He, st- he staggers to his feet and is caught by Sarai and Ding Sao. And then in one of the most abrupt endings... It just ends. It just ends. It just ends. There's a freeze frame. I think As we get a, the end title. It's not even a, a, a freeze frame. He's just staggering to his feet, and over this final shot of Sarai and Ding Sao holding up, holding him standing in the in the rain with his 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 bare Captain Kirk chest open to the elements, uh, the credit comes up. The end for now. Watch for the return of the Street Fighter. Yes. Uh, and what an insane way to end a movie. What an insane, like, <laughs> it's yeah. It's like they just were like, we can't go over 90 minutes. Much like Ding Sao, they were like, much like Ding Sao, the filmmakers were just waiting for this final fight between these two characters. Yep. And once it was done, they were like, all these plot threads that we've just left who lying cares around, about loose ends? who gives a shit? <laughs> we just. It's a very honest approach. <laughs> I, I, and I, des- because this ending is so open. I desperately want this to have a sequel that's on the same level as the second Female Prisoner Scorpion movie, yeah. or the second, or any of the sequels to Lone Wolf and Cub. But unfortunately, the sequels you've told me so far kind of ignore this ending, right? It, the uh, Return of the Street Fighter picks up from this scene, but it mm-hmm. doesn't do a lot with it. Yeah, my main beef with the the sequels is one: the Sarugi character is significantly softened. Yeah. 
And two, the action is just not as good. You also don't get the the all the blood. Mm-hmm. So th- that's my that those are my issues with it. They turn as much. It's kind of like the Ninja Turtles movies where they they just turn them more cartoony and more of a traditional hero as sure. the movies went on. And I, I wrote, I wish that this, this, this movie is so good that if they had kept, if they had kept on this uh, trajectory. Tra- trajectory, thank you, they could have turned this into a fan, like this epic cinematic soap opera yeah. of just Sarugi being just this abs- everyone's problematic fave, yeah. going in and just like maybe even having some, some like introspective moments like Female Prisoner Scorpion where they have these moments of like. Am I just a monster? And then, like, turning around and, like, ripping a guy's throat out and being like, I guess I am. <laughs> well, I guess that answers that. I guess that answers that. Okay, is just... there anything else you'd like to say about The Street Fighter? I'm quickly going through uh, my other notes about Sonny Chibo just to make sure I didn't leave out anything that he said in the interview that I thought was interesting. No, I think I covered all of that. So, uh, the only thing, other thing I'll say about The Street Fighter is the same thing that I've been saying the whole time. Uh, fucking watch this movie. Like, we, Absolutely. We managed to get a whole episode out of this, but before we went into it, we were both thinking, like, this movie is mostly just really cool fight scenes. What yeah. are we going to say? This movie's awesome for two hours? And apparently we did. But for two like, and a half hours, for again, two and a half one hours. of our longest episodes. It's because you let me take notes on the plot of this movie, True. and I can't stop talking, ever. True. Well, yeah. we can cut this down. Sure. No, um, it definitely will be. But, like... Still, any any final thoughts from you about? Uh, no, I love this movie. Watch it. It's it's watch whenever it. I watch like action from the seventies, it just that is this good. It blows me away. That's like mm-hmm. it's like how because like how do we lose this formula in the eighties? Like how the fuck did this happen? Like and this is the same era where in the more mainstream uh, those boring ass Bond movies you hate were being made. Yes, that was the more traditional action movie that was still being made at the time, mm-hmm. and yet in the grindhouse scene. This shit was happening. Exactly. Another movie that inspired Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, Enter the Dragon, was being made. Mm. Like, there's some... The 70s grindhouse action scene, uh, going to America, the Switchblade Sisters that we watched a couple weeks ago. Incredibly fun movie. fucking great stuff. We'll probably be on the show at some point. We'll probably be on the show, because that movie's... There's some nutty shit. Even weirder than this one. (laughs) Just Krabs' outfit makes it belong on the show. Not cooler than this one, in my opinion, but like definitely weirder. Well, it's not a contest. Definitely weirder than this movie. Yes. All right. Uh, So next week, No Not That One Month continues Mm -hmm. with our first Russ Meyer entry with Up. Uh, even though I know it is literally no, not that one, do you say the word up and my heart gets like a little bit happy <laughs> thinking about the Pixar movie. So yeah, watching this movie is going to be a trip for me. Well, yeah, it's also <laughs> going to be just like a Russ Meyer movie and yeah. you're going to sit through some softcore pornography front to back. Oh, great. Remember the first episode when I said we weren't covering porn? <laughs> well, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> It's softcore. There's no rules, motherfucker. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.